Now is the time, a time you'll look back on, a time you'll adopt as inspiration. You'll recollect this time, this moment, right now. Motivate yourself towards success. Overcome, take over. The time is now. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. We're back. We're back. Intra Let's check the interest. Thumbs up. I think we're okay. We're good. We're good for now. Let's hope that that stays like that. But uh, gr great to be back. Great to see you, Pete. Great to see everyone in the chat as well. Um, this uh, Just before I even ask Pete how he is, I'm going to just let people know this is going to be a bit of a mixed bag show uh, because we're, we're saying, will we, will we, won't we? Yeah, let, and then we said, let's go over the show. And then we kind of changed it a few times as, as the day went on. So anything could happen in this show. It could uh, We could even make a sign-in yet uh, before the night's out. Who knows? Not promising happen there, though. But Pete, how are you? Uh, all good. All good, guys. Um, yeah. Um, Looking forward to this show. It's been a bit of a, uh, like you said, it could be a bit of a mixed bag. But look, we're looking for all of your questions, Newcastle United. We can already see some coming in the chat. I know um, Lisa as well um, put uh, put a little uh, message out in the chat saying, get your questions and discussion topics in for the lads. Um, make sure that you do, um, because we're going to talk all things Newcastle United. Cool. And before, just a reminder to everyone as well, if you're new to the channel or new just watching this back, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're subscribed already, do nothing there. Just hit that like button. That's what we like. to push it up the algorithm. But I think, Pete, while we're waiting for some guy to finish his dinner, and I don't mean Ben Jacobs, I mean Chris again, ditching us for food. Uh, but he's, 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 he's now he's making excuses that, that he's five, ten minutes late. So make sure to slag him off when he, when he arrives. Uh, but And Ben shall be along shortly as well. But uh, yeah. maybe we'll just go straight into the question speed and, and just start start picking up because there's going to be loads. Uh, let me see. Let me see. You know, I, uh, I want to start in this one from Tom Lynch straight away. Uh, my favorite news of the day. Um, evening, everyone. News earlier today, the forests are interested in wood. <gasps> Chris Wood, <laughs> no! Uh, how credible do you think this is? And do you think we should? Might still need cover for him. Uh, for me, uh, just name the day, I'll I'll, I'll be taxi uh, to drive Chris Wood down. Uh, of course, for, for me as well, we definitely need a, a replacement because I don't trust going, going the rest of the season and the cup competition uh, with, with uh, Wilson and Isaac. Uh, just you know, you know, Wilson is like uh, he could fall tomorrow, uh, but um, yeah. So I think we need cover. I'd only sell him if, if we're bringing in cover as well. Uh, uh, but I, I would be, I would, I would wish him well uh, to Forrest. And I think Forrest would 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 um, 
would would go from i think uh we touched on the last day steve cooper's doing really well at first that they're i think they got 20 points already uh halfway in the season or so and um they are still they're still in the league cup as well of course and yeah it, he, he he could do what for them what he did for us uh keep them up so it'd be, it'd be a good move from from forest that'd be my thoughts on it peace your thoughts my thoughts initially is that um, you are doing some great drama work. <laughs> You're like, oh, drama? no, no, no. <laughs> don't leave, Ward, don't leave. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, there'll be tears, there'll be tears if he does go off, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> um, not... tears are real. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, and I think, uh, well, I, I think a, a few people may think the same. I don't personally think he'll leave this month. I don't personally think that that um, Eddie Howe will let him go. But if somebody comes in with a bid that's big enough, I think we will consider it, definitely. Um, look, he's third-choice striker now. We've got Isaac, we've got Wilson. He's third-choice striker. If he wants to be a main main striker at another club, then if they pay enough, uh, I think we'll, we'll let him go. Um, and there'll be a contingency there, and there'll be another option of, of bringing the third striker in. Um, but uh, I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Like, um, I think Forrest are the perfect team to put the money in our mouths and say, take it, we want him, because they'll pay anything for anybody at the moment with the amount of, the amount of money they've already spent. They've spent more than us in, in the summer. So I, I just can't see, I don't I don't know, I just can't see this selling him, which is really weird to say. Yeah, no, 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 that's fair enough. Um, yeah, it is, because at the start of the window, I would have thought it was all indications that they were going to keep him. And even even our good friend Jordan Cronin uh, had, had been converted after, after uh, I don't know, what, what Chris Wood did to him out there in Saudi Arabia. Um, Jedi mind trick or something, but yeah, he's uh, he's uh, all for, for keeping him now as well. But um, yeah, no, uh, we, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out, I guess. You get to pick the next question, Pete. Okay. Um, oh, so some of these questions we, we want we want to get. Um, we can come back to these questions anyway because we can yeah. get back uh, to answer some of these. But uh, I'm going to ask this one. For, yeah, let's ask this one from Tom Dixon. Um, just popped up in the screen. Scott McTominay is reportedly open to a move to Newcastle United. Uh, the Scotland International has been linked with the move to Tyneside despite anyhow denying talks of a loan bid. He did actually deny it in his press conference. He was asked um, before uh, the Fulham game um, and he did deny there was any talks. But what are your thoughts, Daz? What are your thoughts? Uh, on first, I, know first, said, I know you've said it before, yeah. but the, the reason why I'm asking is because... Changed a bit now. Maybe. It, the um the, the it's for some reason Scott McTominay is not going away. Hmm. So you know it, we've been linked with him now for at least two weeks, and the link still keeps lingering on, and it's still there, and different people are reported on it. So you know what are you thinking? Uh, I want to get your thoughts in general. I know you've already answered the question before, Daz, but hmm. I want to get your thoughts in general on Scott McTominay. McTominay but what are your thoughts also is the fact that that link is not going away. Yeah, but that, that link could be, be agents trying to drive a move um, 
do Man United want to sell him? Um, I, 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 the last line there from, from Tom Eddie Howe denying talks. Eddie Howe would deny deny it. he, you can't. When it comes to transfer stuff, you you can't and team team selection, you can't can't trust Eddie. He's he's a pure poker face. So, um, but you know, I I don't want him. Um, we're we're to me, he'd be kind of like a. A, a, a really good Mike Ashley should sign in to tell you the truth, but not for for us now where we're going. Uh, we we want we want something better. Um, so uh, yeah, I I I don't I can't see it, it, him rocking up for us. Uh, no, um, God, it'd be I think we'd have to lose another midfielder, and we're down to one midfielder, and it'll be transfer deadline day. Can't get anyone else then. But that I can't even see us being being that desperate. Um, we'd have we 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 plan ahead. Dan Ashford, how long has he had now to 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 work on things? He's he's got some trick up his sleeve, and I think it'll all come to light in the next fifteen days or so. Um, take out the weekends out of that as well. Like it's it, it's going to be all action, and that's that's why we're having having issues getting securing guys uh, to come on the show on, on days because everyone is waiting for something to pounce, and uh, so uh, um, but they will come. But it's just um, yeah, it, this everyone is is sitting waiting like you are and like we are for something to happen, and it it's going to happen soon. Your thoughts, speed on him? Would you take him? Um, would I take him? No. Um, I think there are better options out there. Um, you know, we've talked about them on for the early transfer shows already. Uh, you know, we've, we've discussed a number of different defensive midfielder number six type positions that I think we can go and get for for a decent price. Um, however, do I think he's on Eddie Howe's list? I think he is. Being honest, I think he is someone that Eddie Howe would like at Newcastle. I don't think he's at the top of the list. I don't think he's at the top of Eddie Howe's list, but I think he's on the list. Um, and I think this is probably why this link with Scott McTominay isn't going away. And I think this is why, from my perspective, that, um, that you know, unless we sign somebody else, he will continue to be linked because he's not playing for Man United. Casemiro's one of the best defensive midfielders. If not, for me, he's the best yeah. defensive midfielder in the world for me. Uh, that's how good he is. And when you've got someone like that, he's not going to get a sniff. Um, so if he's offered the opportunity to come to Newcastle, there's reports that he's interested in coming to Newcastle. He's willing to come to Newcastle. Am I surprised? No. <laughs> of course, why, why wouldn't you want to come to Newcastle right now and play for us? Um, but I genuinely think that Eddie Howe wants him as part of his well, he's part of his wanted list, should I say. He probably might be third or fourth on that wanted list, but I think he's on it. Craig Lee's on it as well, by the, by the looks of it, uh, on, on that list. Um, but, okay, that, that's that's my... It's back to me. I'm picking the next question. I saw, because I saw when I, I I like to tackle as well. Uh, where, because of some... Where did I put it now? Uh, this this one because we talked about this a bit today in our own chat of the three Chelsea players uh, and we might bring this back up with, with Ben as well um, we are linked we are linked with and they, they are uh, Zigic uh, Conor Gallagher and um, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek they were the three uh, um, uh, mentioned by I think it was Luke Edwards uh, article originally where I, where I saw it anyway. but of the three, who would you prefer? Actually, I'll, I'll go to you first, Pete. Who would you prefer of the three? Um, okay. <clears throat> I 
think my natural reaction is to go for Conor Gallagher because he's young. He's proven at Crystal Palace that with a good run of games, he can play at a good level. He had a fantastic season last season at Palace. Um, however, if I'm looking at the here and now and I'm thinking, right, we want a player to come in that can do a, a job that can lift us and, and be the difference maker to get us Champions League football potentially with a bit more regular football. Um, I can't look past Hakim Ziyech. I just, his his ability, his technical ability on the board is so good. And you could see at the World Cup, playing regular football for his country, he is, you know, life goals just put in there. Ziyech is so talented. He is, he's super talented. There's a reason why he was, um, you know, why Chelsea paid so much for him and why so many teams wanted him from Ajax. He's a super talented player. He can play on the left. I mean, I think he's helped set up the goal for Chelsea at the weekend uh, off the left-hand side. Um, and he put the ball in. Um, he put the ball in for, for um, Havertz to score. But he's predominantly a right-hand side, a little bit like Miggy that cuts inside. And his technical ability is so, so good. Like, it'd be a great signing to get him in. But, you know, would it be a loan? Would it be a permanent? I'd question mark a permanent for Hakim Ziyech because I think he's, what, 28, nearly 29? If he's not already 29. 29, he's 29, yeah. So, so therefore, you know, you're not going to get your resale value on, you know, how much you're going to have to pay to prize him out of Chelsea. Chelsea are very good at getting good money for their players that they don't want. They've done it for so many years now. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking the, the logical out of the three is... Without doubt, um, Conor Gallagher. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I've not talked about him. Decent player for me, too injury-prone. And I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek's about 28 himself. Like, he's, he, he seems to just kind of just like disappeared through his career and just not really done anything. Um, but yet he's still at Chelsea. Like, it's just a really strange situation. Um, I think physically, his outlet is good. It would be a really good fit for Newcastle in their midfield three. But for me, um, in terms of what we identify ourselves with intensity, pressing, hard work, Conor Gallagher is probably the best. What do you think, guys? What do I think? Well, I'm going to comment on, I think it was uh, David's question uh, in the chat as well. Yeah, Chris is out buying fireworks, um, along with eating his dinner. But uh, yeah, um, of, of the three, right? Um, yeah, so for me, of the three, who I, who I would pay money to buy and to, to bring in on a contract, uh, on a long-term contract, would be Conor Gallagher. And that is uh, as a squad player as well. I think Eddie Howe could get, uh, get the best out of him. I thought he was very good when he was at Palace, as you mentioned. Uh, and yeah, he got to go to the, the World Cup as well. You know, you, you didn't see him around. Them. But uh, uh, no, I think he's a, a, a good player, uh, a good squad player for us going forward. Uh, Zilic, um, uh, he's 29. He's a very good good player. He did well at the World Cup as well. And, uh, it, for him, uh, I think and Chris Chris did mention him as a loan. He'd be a great loan signing for Newcastle. Um, I, because of the age, I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd bring him in. But he's, uh, that, he's a, a, a very good player. So if we, I wouldn't be disappointed if we did bring him in. Uh, Ruben loves the cheek. No. Not for me. That that uh, he, the, sh the ship sailing him about five years ago because uh, we were all on about him may maybe bringing him in and and it was kind of in the back of the Mike Ashley days as a loan or anything. Uh, but no, it's too too. He he could have he could have and should have moved from Chelsea if he, if if he was 
interested in 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 furthering his career and and being a regular somewhere. He's he's been happy to to sit it out at Chelsea. So no, not for me. Uh, I'd, I'd leave him where he is. Um. So the of so definitely Conor Gallagher first in Zidic, and then no after that forget it. That's where I am there. Definitely. There's a few people come in. The Dugan family said Loftus-Cheek, in my opinion, very overrated. Longstaff is better than him, in my opinion. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Captain Kifar has, has said uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek would be another um, <clears throat> Suzoko, in my opinion. Fair point. Um, could well be the same, so interesting. But I just wanted to give a shout-out. Um, Tony Beasley, uh, first time listening live. Great to have you on. He normally catches up on the next day. Hopefully we can get a prior or two as Pete must be sick of me moaning on Twitter. Never <laughs> sick of you moaning on Twitter, Tony, at all. Um, get your questions in for us and we'll answer it. Uh, brilliant stuff. Nice and welcome, Tony. Welcome welcome live. Uh, and uh, you're not alone with, with joining us uh, live. Someone else has just jumped into the, our chat there uh, as well uh, in, in the green room. We'll bring him on, Pete. Go for it. Let's bring him on. Uh, here is Ben Jacobs. Welcome, Ben. Hey. Good How are you? How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad, Ben. And we have another struggler as well coming to join us. So we better bring him on. He's just after finishing his dinner. This is the third time he's ditched us for his dinner. It's Chris Hall. Welcome, Chris Hall. Hey, <laughs> ben, hey boys. How are we doing? We're oh, good, Chris. Ben, you won't know this, but for the last three shows, um, Chris has basically discarded us uh, for food. Uh, so every time we've had a show, he's gone, you know what, I'm going out for a meal instead. So we thought we'd just remind him of that as he joined us, but great to have you on. Good to see you, Ben. You okay, mate? Yeah, great to see you. And a belated, if we're allowed to still say it, Happy New Year to everybody too. Definitely. Happy New Year, Ben. Absolutely. Nice, absolutely. Where, where should we start, guys? Where, where should we start? Will we start in Newcastle? Will we start on on, on Leicester? Will we, where, where where will we go first? Um, and Ben, let, let's get your thoughts on the just just very briefly before we get on to um lots of other talk. There's been so many questions already coming to the chat um about various different things, but just just on the semi final, uh, Ben, you know. I, I assume that you watched the semi-final, you, um, um, Newcastle against Leicester. What were your thoughts with regards to, um, you know, the, the the game and how it panned out? And obviously, from your perspective, the Leicester performance was it a concern for you? Well, first of all, I wish it was a semi-final. It was unfortunately only a quarter-final for Leicester, and it went no further than that. But we turned up against a very good Newcastle side with a backstory from the Premier League where Leicester were dismantled inside the first half an hour. And unfortunately, from Leicester's point of view, they were passive, they were careless with the ball and Newcastle found a way to find in the end that clinical touch of quality. I think that from Leicester's point of view, they had one big chance in the game to Jamie Vardy at 2-0 which might have set up a grandstand finish. And that sums Leicester up at the moment. They're not scoring goals. The players that were very effective maybe a few seasons ago are not now as clinical and they lack that bit of confidence. And Leicester without James Madison are a totally different side, unfortunately. But you have to look at Newcastle in that game and the atmosphere created by St. James's Park. And it was clear from the first whistle that it was a massive game for Newcastle United. Had you said at the beginning of the season 
that a cup run would occur before we realised that Newcastle were going to be challenging for Champions League football, then fans would have been delighted by that because ultimately it's been a long wait for a trophy, a major one anyway. But when you look at the context of the season now and the league being the priority, some might have wondered how, not seriously, Eddie Howe would have treated the quarterfinal, but generally how he approached that week and obviously going out of the FA Cup was wholesale changes with a view to making sure that they went on a run in the League Cup and now it's high priority and they've got a very good chance of getting to Wembley Stadium in that semi-final. So I think the manner in which Newcastle dismantled Leicester in the League and in the Cup, how clinical they were and also how team-orientated the goals were, really impressive. And that's what I've loved about Newcastle this season. Generally, that defensively resilience, Sven Botman has been a revelation. Miguel Almiron is scoring the goals. Everybody else is chipping in. And it's often not only the goal and the person that finishes it. I know that Almiron has got some spectacular efforts that he's put in the back of the net. But for me, sometimes it's the speed of thought. It's the speed of movement. It's the unsung hero in the move. It's the quality of pass that leads to the finish. And each time when that different aspect contributes to a Newcastle goal, it's a different player as well at times. And that's depth, that's quality, and that's momentum. And this is why things are going from good to amazing and maybe even to fairy tale territory from Newcastle's perspective. Lads, we've got some breaking news. Uh, so I, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna interrupt one second because we've 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 only got this these guys for a very, very short time. Let's get them on. Welcome, guys, as well. Hey. Evening, lads. Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Cheers to the invite, lads. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it, lads. <laughs> We're trying to lose you. We're trying to ditch you. <laughs> what a friend. Now, Jordan and Dom, Dom you, you're at the FA Cup, the FA Youth Cup, um, yeah. currently half-time. Um, look, uh, how's, how's it going at the moment? How are Newcastle playing? I know they're playing against Arsenal. Yeah, it's not been great. I mean, the two goals are conceded have, have sloppy goals, it has to be said. Um, one deflected in just before half time, uh, sent the keeper the wrong way. And uh, one, the opening goal was just a scramble on the line. I mean, Newcastle really had to clear, clear the lines there, unfortunately, didn't. But the goal they scored was probably the one moment of quality we've seen all game. Lewis Miley, who's obviously been in and around the first team in terms of training. Came in, I mean, he cuts in from the left-hand side, good strength, good pace and a great finish um, with his right foot into the right corner of the goal. So, yeah, um, he's probably been the bright spark so far, as you would expect, given his his sort of pedigree and reputation as an under-18s player um, who's pushing towards that sort of getting involved with the first team a bit more. But, yeah, Castle's still in the game. They'll just be disappointed that the trailing, given given the nature of the goals they've conceded. <coughs> Definitely. Well, look, we'll keep an eye on that going into the second half. Hopefully, Newcastle can turn that one around. But look, I just wanted to ask you, whilst we've got you um, for a short period, obviously during the half-time break, um, <clears throat> you you um, you put something out today with regards to Bruno Gamerez. There's been obviously lots of concern with regards to his injury um, against Fulham. Um, but mm. you, like yourself and others, uh, have reported that it's um, positive news um, with regards to his scan, you know, what 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 do you know? You know, what have you found out, sort of, from your perspective? You know, could we could we potentially have him back next week at Southampton, or is that just kind of wishful thinking? 
I think that's wishful thinking, given how Eddie Howe tends to approach things. He'll want Bruno back in training, ideally, before he, he plays him in the game. Um, so you never know. Um, I think it's it, it would be asking a lot, though, um, given the situation. But I thought it was interesting the tweet Bruno put out today, saying he'll be back um, faster than ever, um, which yeah. which is interesting. But um, the scan fortunately revealed no sort of ligament damage. Um, so if he had that, that would have been months out. So we're looking at a, a sprain or a, a twisted ankle, if you like, and that's a number of weeks, if not if not sooner. So um, I think the second leg for Southampton is realistic, if not uh, the West Ham game at the start of February. But if, if Eddie Howe can get Bruno back in training next week, even if it's just for one day ahead of the Southampton game, then potentially he could, could be involved. But I... I like like I say, I think that's wishful thinking at this stage. But we'll speak to Eddie Howe later in the week and, and see um, what the situation is then because things like this could, could could develop quite quickly and the positive news could become more positive as as well. It, it can go the other way as well. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll see Bruno back in action sooner rather than later. Definitely. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, fingers crossed because uh, we're, I think we're all worried after that. Um, I don't know if you... Uh, Boys, have you got any questions for, for Don before we let him go? Um, anything you want to ask in particular? Mm, let see. Sorry, lads, I won't be offended. No, no. <laughs> you know what? Tom, can I, can I jump in, Dom? I want to ask you. Is, is there anything in this news that we've been linked with those three Chelsea players? Or do you think that's just people putting two and two together, given the fact that Chelsea are signing everyone at the moment and they've, they're probably going to be looking to get rid of people. Does that necessarily mean that we're going to be interested? Do you think, obviously, um, you know, I think, it was it It was Amanda and Meadad were spotted, weren't they, with the Chelsea, yeah. with the Chelsea owner at some point? Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything in that? Or I think there could be. I'll, I'll admit, I'll hold my hands up. I haven't heard anything um, other than Newcastle have inquired about these players previously and and it would make a lot of sense. It does sound like just adding two and two together, um, as far as I'm concerned anyway. But um, I think it's one of them where Chelsea need to get rid of players. I mean, the need, I think they need to trim the Champions League squad by two players, two players who, um, non-English players. So um, ZH would be one of them. Um, so that that's one I think could could happen. But um, based on what Graham Potter said, he's, he's a big fan of the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Conor Gallagher. So we'll, I think it's it, it's tricky, but given how you're right in what you say, where given how many players Chelsea have signed this month, and he, if they go out and sign a couple more, then that squad, the 25-man squad, becomes far too inflated, and they'll simply need to get players out. So if it's players who who aren't starting games regularly, um, then Newcastle could could potentially look to, look to make a move. Um, one thing I, I can't see happening though is um, a loan move for for these players. I just just my my opinion, I can't see Chelsea willing to loan a player out to a team who are now direct rivals to them for a Champions League spot. And if it's it's wishful thinking now for Chelsea to get in a Champions League spot, but if if they were to push up the table, they wouldn't want to help help Newcastle um, beat them too. Are we really? I think we're well well ahead of them now. Uh, this stage, we're ten points clear uh, of yeah. Chelsea. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, no, look, uh, they could they could close the gap if, if we if we uh, falter. But uh, ten points is, is looking good so far. Uh, I, I'd say we're not direct arrivals for Chelsea this season. Yeah, I guess not. Definitely. Look, Dom, uh, I know you've you've jumped on during half time, so I'll let you go and have your break before the second half um, uh, reappears. But massive thanks for you for jumping on um, um, sort of a short notice. Really appreciate it. And fingers crossed the the, the young players, the under-18s, get the win. Spot on, lads. Catch you later. Thanks, Dom. Cheers, lads. Yeah, mate. Brilliant stuff to have in, uh, Dom on. It is half time. Um, in, in the game, uh, in the FA Youth Cup. But Chris, you had a great question that you gave to Dom that I think it's only right that we um, ask the same question to Ben. <laughs> ben, um, ben might have a different different perspective on it. This is what this is why we, we, we love um, getting the different people on the show. So those three players, um, Chris, ask away, ask away. I thought I thought you were uh, I thought the way you were approaching that Pete was you're going to say you know like from a Leicester angle so maybe we could ask about Tielemans and Madison. That's what oh, I thought, we'll that's what I thought we'll you were going. Well, Chris, you know me so well. <laughs> but the Chelsea players, um, mm. look, Ben, you, you, you've heard the you've heard the um, the reports, and um, we, we talked about it last summer about those similar players. And it's cropped up again in January. Is there a genuine link there from what you know with the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek, Conor Gallagher, um, Hakim Ziyech? Is there a is there a genuine link there in our Newcastle potentially a team that could take any one of those players? Well, I think the first thing to point out here, which was alluded to, is that the Newcastle ownership have a very strong relationship with Chelsea's American-led consortium because the majority owner at Chelsea Clear Lake Capital does business with PIF and therefore they speak regularly mean that any preferential deals are going to be done but there is a easy route of access which could potentially lead to some business however there's challenges with each of the players that have been mentioned so Hakim Ziyech, first and foremost, definitely available on the market and would like a move. And his ideal destination is Ajax. But they've already said that they don't plan on moving for him. And Milan with the team over the summer that perhaps got the closest to signing Ziyech and they moved in another direction as well. So Newcastle certainly have admiration for Ziyech, but you've got a post-World Cup hike in the price and the big stumbling block is wages. So if Newcastle signs Zig, then either he has to cut his wages or Newcastle will be going against their model, which is very dangerous when you sign a player on a Champions League wage for two reasons. First of all, if they don't make Champions League, you're saddled with it. And second of all, how does the rest of the dressing room react if somebody comes in mid-season and is earning, I don't want to say considerably more, but is one of the top earners at the club? And that's the challenge, really, that Newcastle have always been. And it might be the one thing, like him or loathe him, that Mike Ashley policed well. The fact that there's no real player within reason at Newcastle United that is on an undue wage. And that is essential under financial fair play, but it's also very key for team morale. So getting in Ziyech is all about wages. They're sky high. And that's what's putting off a lot of suitors. And I would be surprised if Newcastle made a move for Hakim Ziyech unless they found a way to get the wages down. The fee, I think, will be a bit more negotiable because Chelsea do want to have a bit of a clean out 
With Conor Gallagher, it's Newcastle and Crystal Palace. And it's a much simpler deal to potentially pull off. And even though Chelsea are a little bit short in midfield in terms of the quality, I do think that Gallagher is genuinely surplus to requirements either now or over the summer. And the fee is something around 40 million, which is quite a high amount to pay. And that's where perhaps Newcastle will be put off. Or maybe they'll try and get Yuri Tielemans for a lot cheaper than that. But Gallagher played very well in the last game for Chelsea and he started that match. So it's a balance, really, because Graham Potter may want to hang on to him. And then with Loftus-Cheek, he has actually been an important player for Graham Potter this season in terms of somebody that can be used within a squad and a rotation. So we have to again wait and see whether Potter intervenes here Leicester, another club that have been linked with Loftus-Cheek in the past. My understanding is there's not too much to that. But once again, we have to be very careful at this stage of the window because Leicester may not have a target, may lose a player, and then may have a target. So there's a merry-go-round at this stage of the window that not every fan appreciates. So I think of the three that you mentioned, and we have to talk about Christian Pulisic as well, who will not be sold in January and is injured now until February, but he's been in Newcastle target. They preferred to have a loan with an option to buy, and Todd Bowley wasn't willing at that point, but he's been on the radar as well. So you've got four players, actually, that Newcastle have expressed an interest in, and we still need to really wait and see what the direction of travel is. I think that Gallagher is a very serious target of all of the ones that have been mentioned. And there might be some value in the Ruben Loftus-Cheek situation, but it depends upon how Graham Potter reads that. And if he wants to, at this stage, get rid of more than one. Because if this was regular Chelsea in better form and without a ridiculous queue of injuries, then two or three could have gone in January for sure. But because of the injuries, because of the period of transition, it's not going to surprise me at all if they wait their outgoings to be more summer-led and try and get through this injury crisis with what they've got. And therefore, Newcastle might have to be a little bit more patient. But Gallagher's the one that I'm the most intrigued by, because on the one hand, he played in the last game against Palace, and he was relatively influential, but he's been streaky in form. And you sense that as they revamp the midfield and start bringing in new targets and versatile players that maybe can drop into midfield, maybe can go out wide, maybe can play in attacking midfield and even up to a number 10 or a false number nine. At that point, Gallagher might be the player that gets boxed out. And Crystal Palace would have taken him either on loan or in a permanent deal last summer, but there was just no kind of give from Chelsea to allow that to get done. So let's see whether Newcastle muscle in, but I think if they want Gallagher, then you're looking at somewhere in the region of 35 or 40 million. Mm. Interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that and, and see how things unfold. I mean, Chelsea just spent a lot of money, so we'll see if they need to offload one or two players. Um, I, I think there's a, a question, Chris, that you wanted to come to um, that you'd seen in the chat. And yes. Throw that one um, I look, at, I look at, I look at the start ones. We've got loads of start ones of them. <laughs> it was, it was, it was from our lovely. It's from our lovely Lisa Lisa Mole, and Lisa asks, um, "Who would you be happy with us offloading in this window?" And the reason I wanted to direct that at Ben is obviously, as you as you'll be aware, and you'll you'll realise, Ben, you know, there's still quite a big squad upheaval to happen. But given that 
within the January periods and normally those kind of big squad upheavals would probably happen in, in the summer at the end of the season. Um, which ones do you think are probably realistic in terms of Eddie Howe moving on? I mean, we've heard rumours today about Chris Woods being available. Uh, we know that Ryan Fraser's available. Uh, Matt Ritchie, I think, has been available since his yeah. owners came through the door. It's, it's just, which, which ones do you think, um, you know, there's a possibility of them being moved on this window, if any? Yeah, I think you've outlined it neatly. And that's been the challenge for Newcastle, really, offloading players. And Eddie Howe says, as you would expect a manager, when a player's still contracted to Newcastle United, that he's not in any desperate rush to get rid of players. But it's obvious that if they can offload a few that are surplus to requirements now, then they start to clear a little bit of space, which will allow them to move more aggressively in the summer transfer window. And I think this is the one area, really, even under PIF and definitely before PIF as well, where Newcastle have traditionally struggled both to get rid of players that they want out more imminently and then actually sell players for a profit. I, I think back to Iose Perez to Leicester in 2019, which was 30 million. And I can't think of many examples where they've got rid of a player and for a decent profit since then. So when we look at outgoings, they become a necessity and almost cutting your losses rather than necessarily financially benefiting. And that is where, I guess, somebody like Alan St. Maximum, if he is to go at some point in 2023, might present them with an opportunity to bring in a little bit of money. But when we sort of look beyond that, we know that there's technically one outgoing in Garen Cal, who's gone to Hearts, having only just come in, and that's a great loan, and it's a good example for him to get game time at an excellent club with a strong fan base like Hearts. And then beyond that, I think that Newcastle's focus will be to try and resolve the situations of Ryan Fraser and... Carl Darlow, I think that with Dubravsky, they might be okay with him just coming back. I know that some people have linked him with Leicester and maybe there'll be some movement late within the window, but it's kind of challenging because of the two club rules. So you'd almost now have to pre-agree something going forwards because he's played for Newcastle, he's played for Manchester United. So therefore he becomes a Newcastle United player in the short term. But I think that people will be looking at him with a view to the summer. And then with Ryan Fraser and with Carl Darlow, they definitely would like to be able to do something. And Fraser, I think in particular, is a very sellable asset. And we know that he was open, if not pushing for a move during the summer. So that's one, with him only being 28 as well, that I think could definitely get done. We know that Bournemouth are one of the clubs that have been tracking him. And Nathan Jones at Southampton is another fan as well. So maybe they'll be able to get something done on that one sooner rather than later. With Darlow, he's one of far too many goalkeepers on the books now at St. James's Park, especially with Dubravka returning from that Manchester United loan. So he's free to leave as well. But as I understand it, there just hasn't been a great deal of offers. And a goalkeeper like that has got a big decision to make at this stage of the season because does he want to go to one club where he knows he's the number two so he's up the pecking order but he's still not getting any game time or does he want to drop down and have a final few years of his career playing regularly and until the player determines that he can't really weigh up the offers that are available so we know at one extreme for example because it's good value it's relatively low risk 
to anybody coming in for Darlow. Uh, you've got Brentford who are looking, but he doesn't go there and get a particularly high amount of game time. And then I'm told that Charlton are another club that are taking a look at him. And that's obviously a little bit more of a step down. So I think it's a consideration about how hungry he is because there's no point sticking around at Newcastle at this point. He's not going to get any game time. There's far too many goalkeepers. And as I said before, and I think people were quite surprised when I said it, but Dubravka returning was not about coming back to go somewhere. It was coming back because he knows how highly Eddie Howe rates him. And even with Nick Pope, I think if he hadn't gone to Manchester United, both of them would have competed. And now, in hindsight, of course, we can say that Pope would have assumed the number one, but Eddie Howe always wanted Dubravka to stay. So getting him back is a blessing. It's like having a bit of cover, a bit of depth, a new signing. But it obviously means that Darlow has to go. And then we also have to consider Loris Karius as well, who I think will end up staying at Newcastle, but it's not the ideal situation for him either. He came in on a short-term deal to cover for Darlow. And if Darlow leaves, then logically Karius will stay. But how happy is Karius now about the fact that Dubrovka's come back into the football club? So basically, there's just too many goalkeepers. And I sense, even with the Brentford interest, that Darlow will probably end up in the championship because that's where there's a large amount of interest uh, alongside the various suitors at different levels that I've mentioned. We should add Huddersfield Town into the mix as well. And they're looking for a goalkeeper as well. And I think that that would be the kind of challenge that he might relish. But it's all about Darlow at this point and whether he wants to leave and get first team football or leave and be part of a squad. But from Newcastle's perspective, I think they know that they can get rid of him and that's not going to be a challenge. Whereas with Fraser, it's about trying to get some kind of value out of that deal because he's a little bit younger and there's a few Premier League clubs rather than just one that are seriously looking at him. I the just, three, I, three I heard uh, for Darlow were Hull, Stoke and Huddersfield. Were, were, so it's the championship. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. that, and that's the thing. And what Ben's alluded to is absolutely right, is that with Carl Darlow, he's on such a big contract still at Newcastle that we want him off, off off the ways, but we want him gone because he's still committed to Newcastle for so long. But it's whether he wants to take that jump and play championship football. Because let's face it, lads, it wasn't long, long ago that there were people touting him for England when he, when Dubravka was injured and yeah, he was having yeah. a good spell at Newcastle. And yeah. does that stick in his mind? Does that keep in his mind that at one point they were considering him for England and then the next minute he's been farmed out to the championship like there are some players that can you know can transition in that and be okay with it there are some players that keep that in mind and think no this is where my level is and will be really stubborn so it all depends on what uh, on what Darlow wants but um great uh, opinions there from from yourself Ben um I'm just looking at the comments coming in. They're flying in. Uh, Some of them are crazy. They're funny. I just want to laugh at as well. Sorry. A lot of them um, are, are raising a lot of the, the same questions. Boys, I don't know if you want to flag some up. Um, there's there's definitely some that, that I want to discuss. Um, but Well, I, first first one I want to go over is, is from PDK. Uh, it's Chris, was that you that had, had the woman in the headlock in the Everton game? That was... That was <laughs> No, I, I, do you know what? I've applied to PDK and I said, absolutely not, because he should know I'm a gentleman. I wouldn't do that. There you go. So, you heard it here first. 
But no, it did make me laugh. I did enjoy that. There's another question. I'll throw it out to you. Um, uh, Chantel Keane mentions, what about Neves from Wolves? So Friday night, there was um, some reports that came out uh, late in the evening saying that Neves was on the list and there was a, a player of consideration for Newcastle United. So, you know, from your perspective, Ben, you know, what, what have you heard with regards to Ruben Neves? Well, it's a tricky one now because Wolves are doing a lot better and Julian Lopetegu's come in and obviously wants to stamp his authority, has had an immediate impact and Wolves are moving in the right direction. And what we saw over the summer when the Arsenal interest came in, but not just with Neves, with Moutinho as well and some relatively concrete links with Barcelona and a few other top European clubs as well. And Wolves stayed very firm and chose to keep their squad together. So a mid-season sale for a player like Neves this late in the window feels entirely unthinkable. He's their captain. He's playing better. He's enjoying life under his new manager. So I would be surprised personally if there was any ability to get Neves now in January. And then it comes down to the summer again. And a lot will depend upon where Wolves are. Remember, they were looking like in the back end of last season and also in the first half of this season, a terrible team on the decline. But in the first half of last season, and who knows, in the second half of this season, we might see them back to challenging as if they're in the mix in terms of their form, not necessarily their league position, clearly, for Champions League football. And that will impact on things as well. So you've got Liverpool in the mix, who obviously would like to strengthen in that position. You've got Newcastle, who absolutely like the player, but I think they realise he's not gettable in the short term. And then still... Are Arsenal going to come back in or turn to another target? It looks like Arsenal are going to prioritise in midfield Declan Rice and battle with Chelsea for his signature. So I think that this is the type of signing that we should look at Newcastle planning for and not planning for. And by that, I mean, they're in a strange strategic position right now because you've got a window plan always. And if Newcastle are thinking ahead, to this window, next window, the window after, they have to be ambitious and start building towards a Champions League style target in terms of the quality of player, in terms of maybe the fee, definitely the wages and the package. So they're suddenly in the planning aspect of a transfer alongside a Liverpool, a Manchester City and so on. But they might not get Champions League football and then they'll have to pivot to a different target. So I think that we're going to see some very strange dual approaches from Newcastle almost, whereby they will look to strengthen for value and for youth and maybe some players that are lesser known in order to stick to their principles that have got them this far. And then these marquee signings that everyone wrongly painted Newcastle as signing when the ownership group first came in will be the ones that they pulled the trigger on if they get Champions League football because then the budgets change, they get a bit more leeway and they're going to need to strengthen. And I think Neves falls into that category. Were Newcastle to go for a player like that now, it's difficult because he knows that his next step from Wolves is probably going to have European football and also come boarded with a Champions League style wage and a long-term contract. And Newcastle won't be wanting to dish any of that out mid-season. So I think sometimes these stories materialise because... Newcastle are already in the planning stage for the best case scenario. 
but they're also in the planning stage for the worst case scenario because that is the awkward but exciting position that they're in. And what complicates the January window is if one club chooses to move early, then every other club in that race has to react and decide if they're in the race or not in the race. And we're going to see that with Marcus Turan, for example, who isn't a Newcastle target, but Manchester United are looking for the summer and other clubs too. But Chelsea are trying to escalate the situation now and get a small fee agreed because he's due to leave on a free transfer and convince the player to move mid-season. And same with Tielemans as well. Free transfer at the end of the season. And obviously somebody like Newcastle could come in now and bid and change that narrative. And then everybody else that was hoping that they could get him on a free has to decide if they stick or twist, if they bid earlier than anticipated or not. And I think that Newcastle have stuck very well to their principles. They have made sure that they've not been sucked in to an overinflated market because of who their majority owner is. And a lot of that, not in terms of how sensible they are with their business, but the scale at which they're doing business is going to change in the summer if they get Champions League football. And a club that is forward planning can't wait on the recruitment side to see if they do or don't get Champions League football. They have to plan for an eventuality where they might be in the race for, say, a Neves and start doing the legwork. Otherwise, they won't win that race. And then obviously they won't move on some of these targets if they don't have the Champions League windfall, the budget, the need to strengthen and so on. So it's quite an interesting position that Newcastle are in because they really do have to now put a strategy in place as if they're going to complete this fairy tale season. But if they don't, then don't be at all surprised if the summer window that's coming up this year is actually relatively modest. I want to just look. I, I wasn't going to come to this this early, guys, but um, we'll, we'll bring it up because a few people have mentioned. In, in, uh, we'll wind it. We'll wind it up. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're, we'll bring it to the chat because um, it was a conversation anyway. You t- you touched on Ruben Neves and you made some really really great points with regards to, to Ruben Neves and and the possibility of signing him. You talked about Yuri Tillemans as a as a potential option. You know, we haven't jumped to that already. We're being quite reserved in terms of our business in the January window. But what is your genuine thoughts on Yuri Tillemans potentially leaving in this window? And in your opinion, um, Ben, you, you know, Brendan Rodgers already talked about the fact that he's said you know, anyone that's not committed to Leicester can go in this window. If that was the case, how much do you think could potentially prize him away from Leicester City? That's the question, really, isn't it? And also, Brendan Rodgers versus his board might be another scenario, as we saw when Wesley Fofana joined Chelsea. So Rodgers' take, categorically, is he doesn't want Tielemans to go. And the reason for that is because Leicester are restricted in the market. And from Rodgers' point of view, if he loses the player on a free, but he leads Leicester to safety then that is more valuable than cashing in on a reasonably modest fee. The board may have other ideas. If an offer comes in and is 15 million, which is half what Leicester wanted, give or take, in the summer, but is still quite a lot of money for a player that's going to be a free transfer come summer, the board may turn around to Brendan Rodgers and say, we think that this offer should be accepted. But right now, nobody's bid for Tielemans. So tactically, what you would do If you think there's buy-in from the player and you can get him on a free and you're not that desperate about the now, 
and Arsenal certainly fall into this category. You might wait until the last days of the window and then say, what about 8 million and see what's said? And if the answer is no, you say to the player, we'll be back for you when you're a free transfer. But Newcastle, I think, are in a difficult position if they choose to move on Tielemans because he still would ideally like Arsenal. The guarantees that were there from Arsenal are gone now because if they move for him, they would prefer to do so in the summer. And if they win the Premier League and get Champions League, who knows, their targets may change in that area. So Tielemans a year ago was very likely to move to Arsenal and now Arsenal might try and line up Tielemans, but is he going to be tempted if somebody comes in with a definitive offer and really makes a pitch to him that he can be integral, get game time and from Newcastle's perspective, potentially Champions League football as well. But a lot's going to come down to Leicester in this deal because as we saw with Fafana, he forced his way out the club, whereas Yuri Tielemans not only kept on playing, but then coming into this season has been captain for Leicester in certain games as well. And he's playing with a smile. He scored brilliant goals against Wolves and Everton, nearly scored a wonder goal against Manchester City as well. So don't be surprised if Brendan Rodgers sticks to his guns here and says, listen, I allowed the board to sell for Farner because that was in excess of £65 million. But with Yuri Tielemans, why are we getting rid of a player for six, seven, eight, even £15 million when it's going to be far more valuable to us to have that quality and stay up. So I would have thought that Leicester's approach will very much be to keep Tielemans. And we wait and see whether very late in the window now, anyone tries their luck. I think it's sensible to bide time if Newcastle move for Tielemans, because like I said before, you're not going to get the deal you want from Leicester unless you force it on them late in the window. And then it's up to the board with limited time, whether they let him go or decline it. But Brendan Rodgers is very clear doesn't want to lose Tielemans, doesn't want to lose Madison, said he didn't want to lose Fafana though. So you always have to take a manager with a pinch of salt in the same way that Eddie Howe says he doesn't mind if he keeps hold of these players, but behind closed doors, he's definitely saying to his recruitment team, get three or four out of my squad. And this is clever management because imagine if Eddie Howe comes out and says X, Y, and Z can leave, then if they don't leave, it creates a dressing room full of friction and fractions to some extent so it's smart management to defend what you've got and to stick with what you've got but from Leicester the thing to understand is that they don't have freedom in the market so the longer the window ticks on the more a financial offer that's made to them might tempt the board but also the more pushback there'll be from Brendan Rodgers because he won't have any time to replace Tielemans and if Leicester don't bring in a Tielemans replacement let Tielemans go. Madison's injured at the moment. Vardy's not looking particularly confident in front of goal. Daniel Amati is not particularly solid and comfortable at centre-back. And Danny Ward is nowhere near Kasper Schmeichel at his peak. Suddenly, they start to worry with Wolves improving, with Southampton even picking up some points recently as well, and with Nottingham Forest getting a bit more momentum and chemistry. And Danilo, what a signing that is for a club like Nottingham Forest too. So suddenly, the bad sides in terms of moving in the wrong direction direction is basically Leicester for sure, Bournemouth as well, and uh, definitely 100% at the moment West Ham United as well. And that means that over time, if the other teams improve, those will be the three that go down. So I think that Leicester are very worried, unfortunately, because Wolves could go on a flurry and be well clear within the next 10 games. Southampton, I still think a hit and miss because their squad's not that deep. 
But Nathan Jones has found a way after he got that cup victory against Liverpool, followed it up with a league victory. Things are looking a whole lot brighter at the moment. And then the thing about West Ham, unlike Leicester, is, yeah, they're dreadful at the moment. But eventually, if this continues, and sooner rather than later, same for Everton as well. They're the other team, obviously, on the decline too. Those two managers will go. And with West Ham in particular, if somebody inherits that West Ham squad midway through the season, easy to turn that around because, you know, Leicester have got an ageing Vardy. They've got Perez, who's very streaky and doesn't score that many goals, even though he contributes in other areas. They've got an old player like old Brighton, who's a bit inconsistent with his delivery, but works hard. They've got a shaky defence. Look at West Ham. They've got Mikel Antonio. They've got Skamaka. They've got Paqueta. They've got all kinds of goals and creativity, but for whatever reason, it's not coming together. But they are quality-wise and on paper, even though the table doesn't reflect it, too good to go down. So you start thinking, yikes, if you're Everton, yikes, if you're Leicester, maybe to some extent, still some panic if you're at Southampton and big, big trouble if you're West Ham and maybe Leeds. And three of those five are going down at the moment and Forest and Wolves will be clear. So if Leicester think Tielemans is the difference maker to pick up their form, which was very good leading into the World Cup, they'll be adamant that he has to stay. And this, I think, is why it might still be quite difficult for Newcastle to get a deal done in January. Mm, interesting. It's, a, it's interesting because you see the reports that are out there all the time. And it's that one week you're saying we're hearing reports it's close, that we're likely to put a bid in, that it could be a deal that gets done and then all of a sudden it kind of disappears and fades into the into the back and you don't quite know where it's at. So from, from your perspective, it's great to hear on that, you know, with regards to Tillemans and, and signing players of the like. But um, Daz, I think you've got a, you, you've got a different type of question. Yeah, it, uh, it's a different type of, type of question uh, and it's just really based on some of your tweets today ben and it, it's all about like uh of course we're 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 still living and celebrating the, the newcastle takeover but uh, there's a, a lot of talk with um um man united being up for sale or investment coming in and uh sir, sir jim radcliffe is, is kind of showing his hand of course he's a man united fan he did try to to he took a bit in pretty late in for for chelsea uh but so there's that aspect and then there's there's the liverpool looking for investment or looking to sell and and this is this talk of uh the owners of, of uh is the psg looking to invest maybe in someone like tottenham as well so i suppose what, what do you think will happen first? Uh, where, who, who will get their investment slash sell their club first? Uh, where do you see it going? Well, I don't need to tell a bunch of Newcastle fans that takeovers take time. And these are <laughs> complex. In, in, and, imminent. <laughs> yes, imminent, but in a month sense, not a days or hours sense. So I think Manchester United is the most rigid and locked in process. That's the first thing to say. And there's a full expectation that there will be a suitor in or very, very close imminent by April or May of this year, which will mean that that takeover has moved relatively fast within six, seven, eight months. Not quite as quick as Chelsea, but that was atypical. And there was an urgency to sell the football club because Roman Abramovich was forced out due to the war in Ukraine. But with Manchester United, it's the rain group. They did the Chelsea sale. They are aware of market interest from that Chelsea sale. And the Glazers have leaned more towards that full sale 
rather than minority investment. So providing they don't get a strong minority investment offer and as part of due diligence, both options will be shortlisted. But assuming the Glazers get the price they want, they'll sell. And unlike Chelsea, there's no government involvement and there's no necessity for the Glazers to sort of put out a tender to prospective bidders around the running and the protection of the club. If somebody comes in with the highest offer, the Glazers could just say, thank you very much. We'll take the money and not have that scrutiny prior to it going to the Premier League and the fan base. Ultimately, it may be about the finances. But of course, it is still quite a rigid process. So as part of the current state, you have to express an interest. When you express an interest, you then get a series of paperwork back. You sign a privacy agreement or an NDA, and then you get an aspect of what is broadly speaking known as due diligence. And due diligence works two ways. On the one hand, you get the paperwork and the financials necessary to come to a fair valuation. And on the other hand, you can ask a series of questions. But it's non-exclusive and it's not as in-depth as it might be further along in the process. Still, though, pretty thorough. Then, of course, you make a bid. Then, based upon that bid, there is likely to be a shortlist of three or four put to the Glazers. And then from there, they may choose to engage with multiple parties or they may decide from that shortlist to pick a preferred bidder sooner rather than later. And then that preferred bidder would enter into, if it pans out like a traditional takeover, a period of exclusivity to complete the deal. And it would all move relatively fast. And the feeling with the Glazers is that although they say publicly they want seven, eight billion, the sale price might be at a low, low end. And I mean, pretty low 4.5 billion and at a higher end 5.5 to 6.5 billion so we wait and see and obviously the more suitors and the higher they value the football club the more likely the glazers are to get the price they want which is why the hope is from their perspective that they will be able to facilitate a sale but there's a lot out there including sir jim ratcliffe today saying that he's entering into the process that is premature and as i've said many times and dare i bring up the group, Bin Zayed Group and Newcastle United, those that shout loudest and earliest are usually the least credible of the lot. And those that are quieter and secretive are usually the ones that are serious. At this stage, it's different once there's a shortlist. It's different once fan engagement is a necessity. It's different once you're in a period of exclusivity so you can control the narrative. But... When Jim Ratcliffe says he's entering the Manchester United process, he means exactly that, that at this point, there is still a deadline to enter. There is still time for initial scouting, building of consortiums and due diligence. It's only really in February that we're going to see tangible offers, at which point we'll know who's legitimate and who's serious and who meets the valuation and who doesn't. So there's reports out there, for example, with Manchester United that there's already been bids placed. And it's nonsense because you, you cannot place a bid for any football club, not in a formal sense anyway, uh, without doing the due diligence first. Otherwise, you're just swinging in the dark. And that's the difference between player transfers. If you want Kylian Mbappe, you've seen him. And you can say, I want him. I've scouted him. I want to pay you what I think is his value. But with a football club... You don't know what the value is because how does anyone walking into Manchester United know specifically what the overheads are, what the wage bill is accurately, what 
the outgoings are, what the academy generates, what the staff wage bill is, what the debt is, what any unannounced sponsorship details are, when the contracts for existing commercial opportunities expire, what the city of Manchester thinks about any future plans that are not even on paper yet, like an expansion of the stadium, a move to a new stadium. And you just don't know what any investor is thinking right now. Are they going to build a multi-club model? And who's out there in the market? And how quickly is that going to happen? Are they going to develop the training facility, which is getting more and more old-fashioned, especially compared to Manchester City's one? And you will not get an accurate value. And I think people think of these rich shakes as just saying, well, here's 8 billion. Thanks very much. We'll work out if that was value when we got in. But what you do is you come in with an estimation, but that's not an offer. And then you do your due diligence and then you make a pitch and then you negotiate and then you do more due diligence and then you try and get the best possible deal, much like within any other transaction. So the Manchester United process, I think, will move the fastest of the clubs we've mentioned, but it is still quite early in the process. So we need to wait a month. With Liverpool, I think they're much more split between a full sale and minority investment. And there's not much substance, again, to any bids, any agreements and Qatar's being mentioned. And we should point out here that a lot of people are asking me about QSI because of the exclusive I broke regarding to Spurs. And I said many times that QSI are not talking to Liverpool. And now people are saying we well, are wrong because QIAR, Qatar Investment Authority. The Qatar Investment Authority and Qatar Sports Investments are not the same thing. But unfortunately, as you find, Wikipedia says they are affiliates, which means that everyone who's a Liverpool fan is going nuts. Oh, Wikipedia, it's true. It must be true. <laughs> so basically, nobody is advanced. Everybody is exploratory with Liverpool at the moment as well. I think there'll be some American investors who were part of the Chelsea process who may well return. To Liverpool and I think that Harris Blitzer is one to watch who have got shares in Crystal Palace I think that there will be interest from the private sector of Saudi Arabia so no real conflict with PIF and I think that if and it isn't if any Qatari interest emerges regardless of who it is it will still kind of be funneled via Nasser Al Khalifi and this is where there's a grey area because PSG are not interested in Liverpool or Manchester United, and they couldn't with PSG, same for Spurs, have a majority sale. But Al Khalifi is not only PSG, he's the chairman of QSI and a variety of other business interests. So he would know about it. And at the moment, Nasser Al Khalifi doesn't know about any credible yet, and I stress yet, Qatar interest in Liverpool. And then with Spurs, the situation is a bit more complicated because Daniel Levy has not done yet what Manchester United and Liverpool have done. He hasn't put out there openly that he wants to sell. But my understanding is privately, Daniel Levy is interested in at least hearing in a formative and exploratory sense, minority investment. Joe Lewis, on the other hand, might be prepared to listen to both. But Daniel Levy wants business as usual. He wants the control of the club. He wants the management of the club but may be prepared to take on board a strategic investor off the back of the failure of the Super League and the pandemic and a variety of other factors. And this is where QSI are more genuine. They've actually held a very formative discussion with Daniel Levy. Spurs deny that 
and we should point that out for balance. But when I broke the exclusive, I knew that Spurs were denying that. I put the Spurs denial in my exclusive and we still stand by the story that those meetings took place. And you may now see that a wider array of media are on the same page now and all running that same line of, yeah, a meeting took place, but Spurs deny it. But by the way, a meeting took place. And that's usually a telling sign that Levy is perhaps trying to work a bit more secretly. But QSI are not the only ones talking to Spurs and the stake, should it happen, and again, I must stress it's very early, it is going to be 30% or under. It's not going to be anything in terms of majority ownership or total ownership. So I think that Manchester United is the clearest process and at the moment the fastest process. Liverpool, a lot will depend on if it's a majority sale or if it's minority investment. If it's minority investment, it can happen a lot quicker. So once a credible suitor enters into a period of exclusivity, they might complete the minority investment as quick or quicker than Manchester United. But if Liverpool's a full sale, I think at the moment the expectation is it might take a few months longer than Manchester United. And then Spurs is speculative at the moment. So we shouldn't really mention them in the same breath as Liverpool and Manchester United, because Liverpool and Manchester United have actually publicly put out tender, whereas Tottenham are just taking covert meetings that they're denying. No, thanks, thanks Ben. That that was a really comprehensive answer. I know I knew it would be a, a long answer because there's a lot of detail in, in there. We probably broke broke a few more records there with the answer as well, by the way. But uh, <laughs> nice, nice one. And and just on on Spurs. Can't ask me about. I know I can. I know. I, <laughs> and expect a short answer. <laughs> I know. I know. It was a test, though. Uh, no. Um, also, with, with Spurs, it's, it's not the first time they've tried to offload a percentage of the club. Um, back in back in a few a few years ago. But anyway, no. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that answer, Ben. Pete, back to you. Yeah. Um... Look, there's 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 so many questions out here. Look, Ben, how how long how long have we got got you for? We can whip round a few questions, uh, a number of questions. Um, yeah, about ten minutes. Yeah, no, no problem at all. So we we can whip round and <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at the number. I'm thinking <laughs> we could try whip round as many as we can. But we can do a speed uh, round. We can do a speed round. Yeah, go for it. Um, okay, so I, I'll flip one to you. So Jimmy Moore, um, good old Jimmy in the chat, as always. Great to have you in there. Um, he's mentioned, question, are Forrest really looking at Chris Wood? And is Chris looking at Dr. <laughs> 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 I didn't see that bit in the end. Oh, my God. Chris. <laughs> I didn't see to be that. fair. And because it's Jimmy, I'll take that. But that is a good question. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for putting put, put him up against us, and I can hide behind. <laughs> I only saw the question. But Ben, um, question: uh, Are Forest really looking at Chris Wood? Because it has been a question today. A lot of people oh. have been saying: Is it real? Is it not? Is it genuine? I don't think anybody knows, but from what your from your perspective, what is the situation? Not to my understanding. I mean, Chris Wood wants to stay at Newcastle, regardless of yeah. what the player wants. The club can always force him out, but I think that Wood's in a great position here. He'd love to qualify for the Champions League and be a part of that. He's chipping in with a few goals. Forrester at the moment, obviously looking for a little bit more physical presence because of one year's injured, but when he comes back, 
they've got plenty of different players. Gibbs White is also having a really good season, as is Brennan Johnson as well. So they're different kinds of players to Chris Wood. But Chris Wood joining Nottingham Forest with a one-year fit isn't necessarily starting games. So is he definitely going to move because he wouldn't be an automatic starter? He might fight his way into the team, but there's no guarantees. If he stays at Newcastle, he's also a squad player, but he can finish a lot higher. He can earn a lot more and he can say he qualified for the Champions League. So there's nothing in this one at the moment, as far as I'm hearing. No, um, we, to be fair, in our loaded chat, I think we, we thought as much. We, we put it out there. I think, Chris, you might have put it out there earlier on today um, in terms of the, the Chris Wood conversation. I think we, yeah. we were kind of like toying with it. I think Daz was saying, I think if I remember it, Daz was saying, Where's the taxi? Where's the car? Oh, yeah. We drive him there. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but I think we all thought, you know, the genuine yeah. likeliness of that happening, not quite sure about wh whether Newcastle would want to sell him in the window. Um, but yeah, um, great stuff as always. There's, there's some other questions in there. Um, question for Ben from uh, Dean from, um, yeah, uh, the Geordie Rise. Um, evening all, question for Ben. How serious is our interest in both Mukoko and Fresneda? Um, also, are there any other top young European talents um, that we are currently looking at as well? Good question from Dean. Yeah, it's interesting with use for Mukoko and Newcastle, one of the clubs, Chelsea, were very serious as well. But there's controversy over the player's real age and both Chelsea and Newcastle are waiting on clarification mm. on that and at the moment Chelsea have backed away so there's nothing advanced and there's a real feeling he might not be a teenager and could be considerably older so that scandal is brewing Newcastle are distancing themselves from it and we wait and see I think Fresneda is the interesting one also an Arsenal target as well and naturally a position where Newcastle would like a little bit of cover when you have a young player like that and Newcastle's entire back line, especially the right back, takes care of itself. You have to be able to persuade the player what their role is, what their pathway is. And given the fact that he's only 18, I think if Newcastle were to move in that area, they perhaps would want to loan him back or somewhere because otherwise it's quite a hard sell. And it's the same, by the way, at Chelsea with Reese James. They want a right back. But how are you going to persuade a talented right back that has got a big future in the game to come in if your current right back is an automatic starter? And that's where you start maybe looking more for a player that, yep, can play right back, but maybe right back centre back or maybe right back right midfield because it allows you to sell a pitch to a player that they're actually going to be involved. If Newcastle were to sign Fresneda, then does he play? Is he involved? Is he just cover? And what's the development to get him from 18 to 21? And then when he's at that age, what's the plan? So what we know is that representatives of Fresneda were actually in London over the weekend talking to a few Premier League clubs. Newcastle are interested and don't ever be fooled either if something takes place in London because Liverpool, Newcastle, they do a lot of their business meetings in London to kind of keep under the radar. In fact, Liverpool's recruitment office is in London, their main one where their senior figures are. So London doesn't only mean Premier League away from Newcastle. So Newcastle are there for sure. And it can't be ruled out. Arsenal are there and Dortmund are there. And to some extent, Juventus as well. But I think their interest is cooling a little bit because there might well be a bidding war. So nothing agreed yet. That's the first thing to say. And I know that there were some reports out there that said that Newcastle kind of 
front runners, but that's not my understanding. It's quite an open race as things currently stand. And even Tottenham could creep into the conversation as well. And the reason why there's so much interest is because the price tag is going to be relatively low, probably between about 10 and 15 million. So watch this space for sure. Newcastle are certainly interested in a, a concrete sense and an active sense, but it is going to be a uh, tough transfer for anyone to pull off due to the volume of interest. Okay. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Obviously, Fresnader, we talked about before on the show, and we, we thought he'd be a great young signing um, for the club. But to be fair, and I'm sure we'll bring it up, that we'll be linked with other other players in, in <clears> the <throat> position. So it'll be interesting um, to see what comes of that. Um, Tom Dixon mentions, uh, reports in Italy claim Newcastle are interested in signing Roma forward um, Nicolo um Zanilo, Zanilo, Zanilo. If I'm pronouncing that right, I apologise. Um, um, Roma player. Um, heard anything from that, Ben? Zaniolo is the correct pronunciation, and oh, I actually oh. used to live next door to him when I was working ah. for Roma in the Trigoria area, which is on the outskirts oh, of Rome. Great crazy. character and a, a very good footballer as well, who could easily be developed into a versatile player. We know that Eddie Howe likes Zaniolo. We also, by the way, know that Tottenham have been tracking him for a while. And a lot here depends on Jose Mourinho, who, when previous inquiries were made, had intimated in the early part of last summer that the player could leave and then completely changed his mind. And as a result, Tottenham were not able to pull off a transfer. And now Zaniolo is the type of player that I think could take very well to the Premier League. He has had some horrible injury problems. That's the only thing that we should mention. And in addition to that, the Roma fans have turned against him as well, which is a great shame. He's a very raw player. He's quick, he's direct, and he's to some extent versatile. And I say that very cautiously, because if you actually watch him play, then you will see that he's a winger or attacking midfielder. And that is the versatility. And he doesn't effectively cut inside enough, which is strange for someone that can play attacking midfield or out wide because naturally he is quite comfortable in central positions. But that transition from central to wide and wide to centre and that movement off the ball needs improving. But what we know about him is that the technique is flawless. He's got flair. He can finish. And this is why he could be a very good signing. And he was really at his best for Roma in 2019-20 when he played almost 30 games. He scored, I think it was six Serie A goals and close to 10 in all competitions. Last season, he was relatively good in European football. I think it was a goal every two games. But in Serie A, he wasn't as effective. He lost a bit of his cutting edge. And this season, he just gives the ball away a little bit too much and makes some poor decisions. But make no mistake, under the right manager, huge talent there. So uh, Newcastle liked the player. Forrest have been linked with him and Spurs are still there as well. But... What's intriguing in all of this, and this is why I say cautious but versatile, is that there's a real feeling amongst those that have looked at him, particularly Antonio Conte, that actually he can be changed into an inverted fullback. And that's where perhaps the interest for Newcastle comes as well, that does he only have to be a winger or can he play in three or four different positions? And even though it might seem like a slightly strange comparison because they're different positions to some extent, look at Zinchenko and how effective he is for Arsenal and how valuable he is because he can play as an inverted fullback. He can go into left midfield 
And that ability to transition in game management might save you a substitution. It might provide you with cover during an injury. And that's the thinking with Zaniolo's long-term development, at least as far as Spurs are concerned. So with Newcastle, they are behind their rivals in terms of any previous conversations. When Tottenham played Roma in a friendly a few months back, they discussed it. And fee was the big issue. I think it was 45 or 50 million at that point. Now the fee softened a bit. And I think Mourinho, for the right price, would be happy to let the player leave. But Newcastle, again, would have to move quite quickly. And I think summer is going to be more likely than January. So there's nothing advanced from Newcastle's point of view. But you can understand why he's the kind of profile of player that they're looking at. Interesting. Um, Definitely. Uh, There are... So many others. Pete, um, can I just get in there? For, for, for... Go for it. Yeah, no, I just want to get in there while we're in the Italian market. And it's just a comment that there from Nathan. And I was just checking it out as well. On, uh, and it's KK, uh, my, my friend KK. <laughs> uh, I can't pronounce his name. The the, the, the Napoli number 77. There, I, and I just double-checked it. They're, they're playing... They're playing a cup uh, match tonight, and uh, he's he's not even on the bench now. They have rested a few as well, like uh, Osman is on the bench as well. But uh, any any talk of any movement with him? I know with with uh, Mudrick going to to Chelsea, um, Arsenal might be looking for. He's it's a very similar kind of kind of player. Uh, but uh, do you think he'd move the, in January with Napoli doing so well, or is it a summer move that's more likely for him? I won't, I won't even attempt to put Newcastle in in the mix because I'd love him to turn up at Newcastle. But uh, any any thoughts on him? No chance whatsoever of any January outgoings of this magnitude at Napoli, Osimhen, and as he's known, Faradona, which is obviously paying homage to Maradona, and that's mm. the kind of name he goes by. They're on fire. And they're working well together. Napoli are flying. Zero chance of any January outgoings from Napoli from either of those two players. And not even guaranteed in the summer as well. Because even though clubs are chasing and planning for the summer, the bottom line here is that if Napoli won Serie A and do well in the Champions League, then why would these players leave? And some would say wages. Some would say ambition. But Napoli are flying. They're a joy to watch. They're one of the most exciting teams at the moment in European football. And Osimem is having an absolute ball there. So that's a factor. And I remember we've spoken about this with, say, Bastoni in the past, who was more linked with Tottenham. And Spurs fans couldn't understand why, for the right money, wouldn't he move. But it's just because a player's a human being. And they might like a city, they might like a climate, they might like the team, they might want to win something with their teammates, they might not want to keep moving every two or three years. So Kvaradona's new and will not be sold, period, this January. And I would say it's still unlikely that he will go anywhere in the summer, but not impossible. And with Osimhen, there's a bit more of a backstory. There's a few more clubs that have looked at him, but it is going to take massive, massive money to lure him away from Napoli. And even then, the player may say, you know what, I'm still pretty happy here. So Manchester United, more than Newcastle, uh, linked with Osimhen. And I think with Faradona, uh, you've got Arsenal, uh, you've got Manchester City. Uh, Often he gets sort of glibly compared to Georgie Kinkladze. And again, this is the level (laughs) of ready-made elite level marquee signings for big money and big wages that Newcastle may explore if they get Champions League football. But we can't speak definitively about Newcastle's interest at the moment, because even if the player said, 
I want to join you because you're heading in the right direction. And Newcastle, in a lot of cases, have to find the money. They have to offer a long-term contract to offset that under financial fair play, and they have to pay the wages. And as soon as Newcastle bring in one player, let's say you sign Caradonna, and to get him, because of all the other interest, it becomes, I'm just going to pick a ballpark, whether it's realistic or not, £120,000 a week. Then every single player at Newcastle United under £120,000 a week that's done well this season is going to say, we want parity. And that's not blackmail. That's the reality, unfortunately, I can tell you firsthand when Leicester won the Premier League of what happens when you succeed. You reward from within and then anybody coming in expects a wage reflecting where you are as a football club, not where you were. So this is the challenge that Newcastle qualifying for Champions League is amazing. Everyone would love to see it happen at the football club, of course. But when it happens so fast, you perhaps haven't budgeted for it. Which sounds a bizarre thing to say because you get more budget in, but you have to realign everybody who will get a bonus probably finishing in the top half, a bonus for qualifying in Europe, then an insane bonus for qualifying for the Champions League. A lot of people will want new contracts and the overall wage bill will rise. And then if Newcastle in the next season don't get Champions League football and back it up, then they're stuck with a heavy wage bill that's too high. And this is why they've got to be very cautious in January and even in the summer about setting a precedent of making somebody, it's different if it's Mbappe, but if it's a player like Faradona or even Osimem, just to give two random examples, then if they end up too high in the package to get them because of other competition and their demands, then you can bet your bottom dollar if he's not already signed a new deal that Bruno's asking for the same percentage increase or the same numerical number because they all know what each other earn, give or take. You can bet your bottom dollar that Callum Wilson, even Chris Wood, are saying we want a bit more money. You can definitely bet that Kieran Trippier and even Sven Botman being new will say we need a bit more. And when it all adds up, if you don't back it up the following season, you become in big financial trouble. So herein lies the cautious and sensible and pragmatic approach that Newcastle are taking. But it might mean that they have to exit the race for targets that they might want because they're not prepared to gamble on their finances in the short term. And that is what might change next season, that certainly this was the case at Leicester, speaking from first-hand experience. The fan base forgot where we'd come from and they forgot that it was a fairy tale and they forgot that we'd done it out of nowhere and they forgot that we were going down the previous season before. And it was like, wow, Premier League winners, Champions League winners. Who are we going to buy now to challenge again? Who are we going to buy now to get far in the Champions League? Who are we going to buy now? And then after two or three seasons when we started to be nearly Champions League, but then not, and then Europa League and then Europa Conference League and then mid-table, the fan base starts going, why are we not spending? Why are we not buying? Why are we moving backwards? And it's because... They've spent so much money on the infrastructure of the football club, new training facilities, stadium redevelopment, new signings on big money, big transfer fees, agents fees, because they've had to to compete. And then as soon as you don't compete at that level, you're saddled with it. And that's what Newcastle have got to be very wary of, which is why I think they are trying, financially speaking, so this is nothing to do with the football side, they're making sure that they walk first rather than run. 
And that is really quite refreshing because they could just blitz a load of money. They could just spend irresponsibly to try and get short-term gain. But it's very clear that this ownership group won't be, and I suppose I have to be careful how I word this, but they won't be devastated if they don't make Champions League football this season. Um, on the football side and on the ambition side and on the celebration of success side and on how gutted they are for the football team, uh, they will be, of course. Uh, but if you only look at it in their game plan and in their strategy and in their financials over three to five year cycles, all the boring stuff that fans don't actually care about. But if you only look at it from that perspective, this success strategically and financially is kind of coming too soon. So if they get another season to bring in sponsorship, to bring in investment, to do a clear out, to get some youth that's better value that comes through, um, it, it might be a silver lining should Champions League qualification not happen. And again, that's not to say, and don't misquote me on this, that I'm saying that they'll be relieved in any way, but purely financially and strategically, the success is coming faster than they expected. And that does actually come with some challenges. Definitely. So you're, you're um, saying, Ben, there's a chance. Honestly, Ben, the love for you tonight has been um, uh, uh, fantastic. Just a few comments in here. I do love when Ben is on. His answers are so comprehensive. <laughs> And um, he really knows his stuff. Great guest and great show. Um, and Nathan said, Ben Jacobs is great value in our, our, one of our spanners, um, one of our mods, um, Lisa. Mm. I haven't been very active in the chat tonight. <laughs> Just so focused on Ben. Amazing knowledge. Um, our our chatters really, really appreciate. And the jumper, yeah. But there were comments on the jumper and, and they asked you the question, <laughs> could you potentially knit them uh, the same style jumper, but in black and white, because that, that jumper is becoming very, very famous. <laughs> now. I like uh, that you movie. think I knitted it in the first place. Unfortunately, this is a <laughs> Zara number that cost me about 60 quid. So unless I oh. put it in the wash with sort of black and white dye, I don't think I have the talents, unfortunately, to knit you a jumper, but it's a nice idea. Try it. Just before I let you go, because you, you've been amazing um, in, in all your questions tonight, really appreciate it. Life Goal says, interesting one. Uh, Mr. Jacobs, will Vardy retire this summer? Interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting one. I mean, I've not heard he's got any plans to retire. This actually came up in 2021 and people thought he might go then. And it was a definitive no. And now it's a bit different because he might not want to complete his cycle and drop down a level. So we're going to have to wait and see on this one. He's 36 now, I believe. And you've got Ian Acho there. You've got Daka there. Technically, you've still got Perez there as well. So we'll have to wait and see. I think that Brendan Rogers was always of the belief with Jamie Vardy that he would be used more sparingly and if he's effective being used sparingly then I can personally see him doing one more season after this but um, it's touch and go it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, did say Leicester's my last club and if he's done at Leicester by uh, the age of 36 this summer but don't rule out him playing until he's 37 because the pace is actually still there 
uh, it's actually the consistency of finishing, which is bizarre, that's disappeared. So I have no inside knowledge on it as, as to whether he will or won't. Uh, it's obviously a question that we ask. Um, and at the moment, the Vardy side, if you like, are, are quite coy on the situation, which I think is normal midway through a season, because if he has a blinding season, um, why wouldn't he want to keep on playing? If Leicester uh, were in a better position and fighting for Europe, why wouldn't he want to play in Europe the following season? So um, how Leicester fare on the field, I think is significant too. Uh, for example, if Leicester go down, uh, does he want to have a final season in the championship? Uh, we wait and see. But um, no real inside knowledge, unfortunately, on that question at this point. No, that's fair enough. Look, Ben, um, it's been fantastic for you joining us. Uh, apologies for those in the chat. We, we've still got like 56 starred questions in the chat. It's been crazy. Um, some for us, <laughs> but vast majority for you, Ben. We haven't got through them all. But look, we'd love to have you on, possibly before the end of the window, just to just to talk uh, uh, some more transfers in Newcastle and uh, other things in general. Um, it's been a real, real pleasure to have you on. Um, and thank you for taking the time, mate. Absolute pleasure. And all the best to everyone. And to Thanks, Newcastle ben. for the season. We'll speak soon. Definitely. You take care, Ben. Speak Cheers, to you soon. Cheers, Ben. Take care. Bye. Great to have Ben on. It's great, great knowledge. Like I said, um, so many uh, comments in the chat. Very, very comprehensive, no doubt. But look, over well over 300 watching the show tonight. It's been amazing. Um, if you haven't clicked that like already, click that thumbs up. It only takes a second. It means a lot to us. And click subscribe if you're new to the channel. Um, you know, we're, we're moving on to 6K now. So um, help us along the way, that's for sure. We had Dan in the chat who supports from the 12th man. Um, he's throwing his support in the, ch in the chat tonight. Um, it's a great time him on as well. Um, fa fantastic stuff. So, um, yeah, it, brilliant stuff um, from everybody, uh, really, in the chat. You guys, you know what? We say it all the time, Daz, but but the people in the chat, the mods, um, the guys and girls in the chat, they really do drive the show because there's some amazing, amazing questions in there. Um, and you do yeah. kind of help that that topic of conversation. So um, and exactly, Pete. And, and you might have to nip off for a sec, but uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, no, and I was kept entertained with. with with, with the comments as well, uh, there was some really funny, funny stuff coming in there, uh, and and uh, we're not. It wasn't just uh, the. I put Pete on mute here for a second. Yeah, just the comments of Ben Super, but it was about just just uh, slagging Chris off. Uh, I, I'm going to pick this out because uh, when when you guys thought said he looked like Leslie Nielsen, and uh, Chris had no idea who Leslie Nielsen was. He thought it was he thought it was Tom Cruise for some for for a second because he said he was talking about uh, the Top Gun guy. But you said him you said him straight, uh, Naked Gun, not not Top Gun, <laughs> Chris. So uh, yeah, and I think uh, Chris could have actually nipped out now. He's probably gone. For a curry or something, you know, Chris, he always dishes us for food. Ah, oh, here he is. Here, oh, oh, say nothing. I said nothing. He's testing out his broadband again. Uh, we'll see if, if Chris makes it back. But uh, also, uh, I saw something there uh, from um, I'll take Chris off again. Uh, some, I think, life goals is, is, is pulling her leg as well. He makes out that Sean Casey is saying something about uh, uh, Marcus Rashford and signing by the weekend. That's not that. 
that can't be true. I don't believe that uh, uh, life goes. You're just making stuff up now at this stage. Uh, but yeah, so um, some some great uh, comments in there. We're with plenty of questions as well that we have to get through. Uh, we're going to get through some of them. Let me see. I'll pick one out. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, you're back, Chris. How's the curry? It was nice, you know. Yeah, it was nice. It it was in a place I've never heard of before, but it's like a big <laughs> chain apparently called Tap Tapaganga or something. Is it Tapaganga? I don't know. So I, nice. Chris, I was flagging you off. I, I said that's why you left because you went out for more food. Oh no! Just, before I went for but, a curry. Um... That's where I've been tonight. I went for a curry. That's what I thought oh. you were asking me. And did you find out who Leslie Neeson was? Yeah. <laughs> I was getting mixed up with Bridget Nielsen. Yeah, it was Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, so that's the guy off. Um, I nearly said Top Gun again. Naked Gun. Yeah. Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Not sure I like that one. Right, but... um, uh, yeah, and as as we're, we're waiting for Pete to come back as well, uh, he's back. He made it back. <laughs> and yeah, there was another one for you, Chris. Um, was about let me see uh chris are the rumors true that you finished seventh in the x factor 2011 perhaps you can <laughs> sing for us all once we reach Wimby. <laughs> i actually replied to david on this one yeah because uh I, I i said to david um back in primary school i uh i was i got given the lead part of herod in a, in the primary school so like my voice wasn't that bad when i was younger but yeah it's gone a bit down the pan now i mean you guys, you guys know what my singer voice is like based on me, uh, you know, me, me chants and stuff like that. But we all know, you know yeah. Do you know what? There's nothing stopping me in April if we can find a karaoke bar, bit of Robson Green, uh, Robson and Jerome. I believe I'll do it. I've only ever done karaoke once, but go for it. I, I imagine, I imagine when we're in Newcastle, I, I might make it a second. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I've just got a feeling. I've just got a feeling. Uh, <laughs> we could do it. First year in college, uh, karaoke was was a part of our night out. Uh, and we every time you got up to do karaoke, you got a free a free pint of beer or pint of cider. So we were Jesus. we were go- leaving the the pub to go to the nightclub with a table full of cider. We were getting <laughs> that many many uh, pints of pints of, of cider. We, we couldn't drink them all. It was, it was just too much. And yet you had a queue to get into the nightclub, so you'd miss out and get into the nightclub. You don't want to do that. That was oh. that was first year in college. Um, yeah, let's tackle some of these questions. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the anywhere, I don't know about the more we're... recent questions, Daz. Life goals so much. Life goals on Yeah. I, what was the? <laughs> she, she she sang she sung the Titanic song. What was it? Um, My heart will go on. Yeah, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could. Yes, I, that was it. I, I could drag that out the voice. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> no chance. Um, but no. Um, the, to be fair, there's a Chris. Question. Can I, I can I go to a question for you because go for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, and there's a delay on my side, so I am talking over you guys. But uh, Chris, Peter, and myself answered this question uh, at, at the weekend. But uh, um, just what, what's your thoughts on on uh, if, if we we go with Adidas and and the the, the potentially have been at the the, the Leicester game, the the uh, quarterfinal? 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, like, uh, I thought, you know what, I didn't think it was going to be such a serious question. You were asking me, actually. <laughs> I was waiting for this whopper question. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'd, 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 be, I'd be absolutely delighted with that. Sorry. I mean, they made... No, it's okay, it's okay. Um, they made they made some fantastic kits, didn't they? Uh, back in the nineties, and like I think everyone was gutted when Adidas left, and certainly they'd be an upgrade on Castore, that's for sure. But personally, though, and I, I know I've told you boys this as well. I, I'm a big fan of Nike, and um, I'd I'd love to see Nike come in. But if the rumors are true that you know we're linking up again with Adidas, I'd be I'd be made up, absolutely made up. Um, you know they do some nice gear, don't they? So. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be all for it, and I, I do think, I do think discussions are going ahead for the, uh, for the new um, shirt manufacturer because we can't continue with Castore. There's, there's been too many bad stories. I, I think, uh, I think the club will be fully aware of it, and who knows, we could be missing out on millions of pounds worth of deals. You know, in terms of like, you know, orders being sent back and not being able to cope with all the orders. So they, they'll want to sort that yeah. out, I'd imagine. Oh, cool, Chris. Um, there was a question I had as well. And I, I haven't seen it in the chat yet. Maybe it has appeared. But the talks of um, uh, from there was uh, uh, Keith Downey was quoted as saying that um, ASM could be sold uh, by mm. Newcastle in January. Mm. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, lads? And then and then potentially wasn't Spurs in the mix? Uh, thoughts there. Pete, <laughs> well, don't come to me first. <laughs> go to Chris. Go to Chris. Uh, um, look, no. Um, Full screen. <laughs> no chance. Don't do that. Um, in my, in, from from my perspective, um, I think it's I think it's a load of rubbish. Yeah, I don't see ASM leaving in January. Mm. Um, you know, I think we've we've spoken privately on the on, on our chat. You know, the summer is very different story. Um, well documented, we've already talked about it I won't go into too much detail but yeah, I, I don't see him leaving in January, he's only just got back fit as Chris alluded to in our chat and we talked about it uh, in, in our in our review, he played well against Fulham, he he, he made a difference to the team and yeah. when you've got a player like that that's just, just getting back to fitness, just playing a few more minutes, play 45 minutes so you can see him, he's making a difference and you can see He's improving in in a how system. Why not let him play that through and see if he can become a a, you know, a difference maker and and really improve his game? Because if you can get an improved Alan Set Maximin, you know why would you want to sell him? That's my question. So um, we need to give him the opportunity to play games. He hasn't properly kicked the ball since August. So we need time for him to play football and we need to give him games and we need to, he needs to get plenty of minutes to prove that he's improved and that he can play in an anyhow team. Um, so a lot still to prove yet, but to get rid of him in January seems a little bit premature for me. Um, so from my perspective, I, I don't believe any of it. Um, I can quite easily believe that Tottenham would want him. Why, why wouldn't they? But I don't think they could afford him, which sounds really weird, but I think it's the truth. I don't think they could afford Alice at maximum <clears throat> right now in what we would probably ask for him. 
no, no, that, that, that's good. No, I didn't. I didn't see any, any uh, further tweets about it. I didn't realize Keith Downey um, tweeted saying that was a, an old quarter or anything uh, either. But um, yeah, no, I, I can't see it's it's selling uh, in January either. As we lose Chris, more food, uh, starving, and um, again, and as we, we said the other night, we we look at in the summer we'll assess how, how his his performance over the course of the season and what we could potentially do do, do that. And I suppose we'll, we'll link that maybe to. A squad game as well, come the end of the season. But um, Grant, cool. Um, do you want to pick another question, Pete? Yeah, there's plenty in here. Let's go for it. Um, interesting one from Daryl um, from our Jordy's Down South chat. Um, he put this quite early on in the show. Actually, he said, "When when are Bruno and Shelby back? Um, <clears throat> due back from injury, um, who would ha- you have?" as a cover for five or six months. So he's not even talking about permanent signing, talking about potential loans. So, you know, you know first and foremost, um, I think we've already documented about Bruno tonight, maybe one, two weeks um, at the earliest. Shelby, I think, is back in six weeks or five weeks, um, I think Eddie Howard mentioned. Um, so in terms of returning from injury from that point of view. But interestingly, Daz, like, if you were to have someone on loan, for the remainder of the season, uh, as a replacement for these guys, who who would you potentially have? I don't know about on loan. Um, I, I think we have to buy. Um, I, I think we, I don't. I can't see like let's say for example the player that we talked about earlier, as in Connor Gallagher. I can't see us getting him on loan. If, if we're going to get him, we'd have to buy him. And then we're talking about then the likes of who we mentioned already. Uh, earlier when we we're talking to Ben Ruben Neves, as uh, we would try and look at as an option, and uh, SMS as well is 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 someone that we um who we been linked to as well, but he would have many suitors, I'm sure as well, as well as Neves would have many suitors. So I think whoever. It would be very difficult to get a good, a good loan uh, player in, unless you're talking from top, uh, the top La Liga clubs. I uh, can't see there are any Premier League clubs offering us uh, really good players on loan. Um, so I think we have to buy a, a, a player that we've already what talked think, about. A, a player that we've already talked about tonight. Um, I, I'll ask you the question again, Daz. Um, so we we talked about. Um, I'll just flick him up on the screen now. We talked about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, you know, it's a player that we didn't say that we'd want because he's injury-prone and, um, and all the rest of it. But would you take someone like him on a six-month loan where you're not committed to him long-term just to see us through the season as an extra body? Would you take someone like that where you're not committed to pay a permanent signing or a permanent fee? Now, we're just talking. I think, Chris, you've just joined us again. Mm-hmm. Uh, great question from Daryl. We talked about the Bruno and Shelby injuries and when they're coming back from, but he's mentioned yeah. who would you have as a five or six month or, or cover? So we're assuming it's a loan, maybe a loan to buy. Mm-hmm. I've thrown the question to Daz uh, about Ruben Loftus cheek. Daz mentioned the likes of Ruben Neves um, and Milinkovic Savic. We struggled to get them on loan, but Daz, I'll ask you the question Ruben Loftus cheek, would you take someone like that on a six month loan? No, 
I wouldn't. No, I'm gonna stick by my 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 uh, decision at the the start. Uh, I can't go back now and say I, I take him on loan after I snaked <laughs> him as a start. So, uh, um, so I'm going to go say no. I think we'd be better off buying some. And, and as well, the, the money that you're gonna you're gonna have to give Chelsea a ball of money to to get, to bring him on loan as well. So invest that in a player, and even if that is a young player, uh, to, to try and um. Even even just to, to throw them in and and look at uh, even Foxy who know who knows he's knows a player uh, is is talking about Andre from Flamenzi, who I've never watched seen play but uh, yeah someone someone out there that that uh, give give, the, give them a chance um, rather than than bringing a Ruben Loftus cheek uh, in I know he can play in the Premier League he's used to the league he's used to the country but I I take the gamble uh, on a younger player. Foxy knows his South American football, doesn't he? He knows everyone in South America. He does. You know what? I love it. I love it because you know, it's great to have fans that know different sides of football that, that we don't necessarily. Chris, I'll ask you the same question. You know, On a five to six months loan, is there any player out there in your mind that you would take on a five to six month loan, not committed permanently? You know, We mentioned Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'll even throw in, not that we'd probably get him on a loan, but someone like Scott McTominay. <laughs> we did talk <laughs> about him. We did talk about him before you before you joined us. Scott McTominay. Mm. Would, would, but would, look, it's different when you're talking about a permanent signing to a six month loan. Would you take mm. any of them, or is there anyone else out there that you would take on a six month loan that would be you know, realistic? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, Pete. I suppose if 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 we're looking purely on a loan, and that you know we we have maybe the option to purchase, you know that that for me is different than maybe just bringing in just a loan player and it literally just just into kind of you know cover the gap uh, or cover the hole, so to speak. But yeah. there's not many there's not many players that I wouldn't take if I'm honest. And again, the reason I say this is because. If Eddie R wants them, then the, the, you know he must believe they're going to serve a purpose. Whereas under the previous regime, um, you know with Ashley and you know the likes of Bruce, it would just be like, oh, he'll do. But with Eddie Howe, I know that he wouldn't potentially bring somebody in who could upset the apple cart, so to speak. It would it would be a carefully considered deal. Um, so I suppose if you were if you were pushing me for the name, <clears throat> the one that springs to mind is probably Conor Gallagher. It, he's probably the one. Um, Ruben Loftus Cheek, kind of in the same mold. I just, I just, I don't know what it is about Ruben Loftus Cheek. He just doesn't. I don't know. I, I'm not wholly convinced on him. Um, I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, Conor Gallagher, I've warmed up to a bit because I'm looking at our central midfield and I'm thinking, you know, we need someone who's going to come in and do a job. I suppose the biggest thing for me, looking at a, a loan deal for the next five or six months. It probably wouldn't be worth bringing in someone who wasn't Premier League experienced, because if you bring in, you know, somebody, um, you know, from abroad or something, and they don't hit the ground running, or they trying to get used to the country, um, you know, speaking a different language or stuff like that, they're all considerations. And then before you know it, you're in March, April, and then you're thinking, bloody hell, like he's not really, you know, kind of got comfortable. But if you bring in a Premier League experienced player who can speak English, which is an added bonus. Um, you know, I don't see the harm in that. And really, it's just about looking for either a number eight or a number six, somebody who can come in. Because equally, I don't want us to go out and overpay for somebody or bring somebody in who, no disrespect, you know, like a, a Chris Wood, where we, where in the next 6, 12, 18 months, we're going, right, we need to move him on now. We want to bring in like a Bruno or 
a stopgap person who you go, right, he will do till May, and then we'll, you know, reassess and kind of bring someone in permanently. That that's what I'd be doing anyway. Yeah, no, I think I think Chris, that's more than um, follow on. A follow-on question there, Chris. What is the room service like uh, there in the hotel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. Um, I haven't. I haven't tried the room service out. Gotta be honest. But um, but no, I, I wouldn't know. There's one player I, that I would take on loan. There's there's one player I take on loan, and we touched on him on another show. It was on the way days, in fact, when it was linked in the same article that Ruben Neves was linked to. And it's this man, Frank Kessie. Yes. Um, I would I take him. I would take him on loan, and the reason why I would take him on loan is because Frank Kessie. It's very clear that Barcelona want him out. They want him off the wage bill. He's costing them a lot of money right now. Even though they signed him on a free, they signed him on huge wages. I would take him because he would be perfect for our midfield. Um, so if I was going to get anybody on loan, it would be him. But. Equally, I think you're right, Chris, is that if we're getting someone on loan, that I wouldn't argue about any of those players that you've mentioned. And the reason being is because they wouldn't be necessarily starters, but they'd be players that would come in and do a job for the team. Um, and that would give us numbers and it would give us strength in order to build and potentially get Champions League football. So that, that's just my opinion. But Frank Kessie is one that actually could come in and start. He would dislodge... Sean Longstaff, for sure. Like, he is a top, top player. In. Yeah. He's a player yeah. that I think we would then go on and sign permanently or certainly try to. So, that's just yeah. one that I'd, I'd throw out there. But, yeah. as mentioned, some players, Ruben, um, Ruben Neves, we talked about one or two other players, Conor Gallagher, um, yeah, they're players that, Daz is absolutely right, you've you got to sign them permanently. You've got to go permanently to get those players in, 100%. Yeah, I mean, just just to just in case anyone pulls me up for being, um, you know, totally t totally agreeing with what Pete said there. You know, I said that oh, we need someone Premier League experience. We need someone who can speak English. And then Pete said Frank Kessie, and I was like, yeah, Frank Kessie, it'd be great. But <laughs> let's let's be clear, you know, someone like Frank Kessie, you know, top 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 player. Um, so you couldn't you couldn't pass up that opportunity. I just meant more in terms of you know. I don't know. Say they say they found a youngster in like you know the Bundesliga or the French league, and it was like a bit of an unknown. I just wonder whether that would have any value. Um, but if you're bringing in like a top top player who you know has played for the likes of AC Milan and Barcelona, you've you've got to be interested. You have to move. You have to move the move the the goalposts for players. Yeah, like, yeah. The, you have to. Yeah, it, it is yeah. what it is. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah. So this, yeah, not, not, not this one from Jimmy. Oh, God, what's this? Check the sheets, Chris. Looks like a few been shot. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what, like on the BBC, the FA Cup? <laughs> oh, my God. If anyone hasn't seen that tonight, uh, clips, um, you've missed out because uh, BBC have had an absolute bear live really? on air. Them. Yeah, the, the um, sex noises on the show. Um, no. Gary Lineker's presented, and then Shearer <laughs> comes on, and it's still going on. Shearer's in the stands doing the commentary, and the, the noises are still going on. Uh, apparently, oh. apparently, a phone has been taped, um, and Mark, to be fair, put it in our loaded chat. Taped, <laughs> um, a phone has been taped to the studio somewhere. 
and been uh, designed to go off at a certain time. And those noise, you can't just you can't escape the noise. Chris, you'll see yeah. it. You, you you'll see the clips everywhere. Um, Is it that um, famous noise that Stu Penman keeps sending us yeah. all the time? Ah. Oh. It's gold over every time. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it is that noise. And you know, to be fair, it's funny because Gary Lineker can't help but chuckle. He starts laughing to it because you can't escape it. No. He can't, he's he's live on TV and the noise is basically <laughs> drowning his voice out. You can't escape it. But if you haven't seen it, it's brilliant. Uh, absolutely oh, brilliant. I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to look for it later. Do you know why it's funny that isn't it? How like uh, synonymous that's become. Like whenever anyone hears that noise, whether you're on a train, a bus, or an office or anything, you could just see people sniggering going, Oh, he's opened the wrong video there. Yeah, it's been done. It's been done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Almost kind of funny. Right. Actually, uh, lads, j- just just a, a quick. The, the chat has been uh, un, un, unreal tonight. Uh, uh, been more and laughing. Uh, my my fa- my favorite comment. I know that Jimmy has had some classics, but oh, my favorite geez. comment for, was was about to Chris. I was a Jimmy that got, got got someone in the headlock and everything. The woman in the headlock. <laughs> that was that was the best one for me tonight. I, I was I was. I must uh, admit, I like. I was trying to keep a straight face when, when Ben was talking, and I was just yeah. imagining that. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, that was a good one too. That was a good one, yeah, because he follows it up with a very serious question and then just threw that in. So yeah, I like that. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll be honest though, I'll be honest. I have, I, have, I, have looked, I have looked into that. And I will, I it is something I, I have considered doing, and it was funny because I was thinking I was actually laughing to myself thinking about it because of course imagine if I like you know went and got that done, didn't tell anyone, and then like just like you know, was off the shows for three or four months. Come back on, <laughs> and I just had this big afro, and I was just like, "You know, what, boys, <laughs> <laughs> it would be good. It would be good." <laughs> hey, Richie could come back like that, yes. You never I know. know. I know it could be Richie. Yeah, <laughs> Richie could come back with a full leather hair. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> oh. Um, no, there's a few that are, that are agreeing. Um, right, what, what, one more question, Pete, and we, uh, one more serious question. <laughs> go for it, go for it, go for it. <laughs> no, uh, okay, let's pick it. <laughs> um, I hadn't picked one, <laughs> yeah, today is the best bit now. Or if you uh, want us, do you want to whiz through a few questions? Yeah, okay. Well, what's your thoughts, Daz? Look, I'm... oh, sorry, Daz. I was just going to say, do you want to whiz through a few questions? And we're only allowed to give like one word answers, and we'll just so either yes, no, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Pete, you go for the questions because my answer, I'll be answering the, the, the question before by the time you're answering answer the answer <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, love it, love it. Um, okay, um, let's, uh, <laughs> brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Um, okay, uh, no, we're not gonna go for Isco. There was a question there. Oh, no, let me let me move through, let me move through some of these. Okay, hold on a second. 
the hell is going on? What are you doing to Chris? What are you doing to Chris, man? Oh, are you playing that? I just had to open that. I'm assuming it was that noise. Was it that noise? We said this yeah, was yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, a yeah. big Thank you for playing that. I thought we'd recreate it. Oh, my God. I thought we'd recreate it. Yeah. Oh, you are killing this, man. Um, right, Tom Dixon says, question, if you were Eddie Howe and you wanted to bring one player back who played for Newcastle, who would it be? Who would Hatton you bring? Ben back? Arthur. Hatton Ben Arthur. Okay, great question. Um, Daz, who would you bring back? Yeah. <clears throat> uh... <laughs> Uh, my answer is not going to be uh, Ruben off his cheek in case it goes on to the next question. Um, right, no, for me, uh, Darby's answer is Alan Shearer, but I'm going to go, we'll, we'll rule him out. Let's go for Peter Beardsley. Who was that? Peter Beardsley. Oh, Beardo. Beardo, okay. Life goals. Um, was Anthony Gordon a lucky miss? He's been dreadful this season. Would you agree? Yes or no? Up or down? A million percent. Lucky miss, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, what are your thoughts on Milinkovic Savic coming in January from Lazio? Obviously, um, Ben Jake was mentioned it tonight. You know, um, would you take him? Would you pay 60 million for him, which is what's been bandied about? Would do you think he's worth it? Yes or no? Um, Peter Beersley. We stick with your pizza Beasley, Daz. That is for sure. Um, into trader. Apparently, we're reaching Snowy Wickham. Um, as well, loaded mag NUFC. So thank you for pushing us out to Snowy Wickham in terms of our reach um, from the shows um, that we put on. Thank you very much. Um, Have you been in New yeah. Zealand before, Pete? What's one that? Of the viewers watch- one of the viewers were watching from New Zealand. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, we have. It'd be interesting to see people in the chat who where they're where they're watching from tonight. Just drop drop it in the chat. Are you local? Are you Newcastle based? Are you based somewhere in the country? Or are you based abroad somewhere? Let us know. Um, you know that'd be that'd be a great one to to have a look through to see um, where we are all from. Um, uh, Alan Thompson puts Chris all. Have you stopped giving out Valium to family and Everton fans? You know, as I'm sure if they do get relegated, they will have the best ground in the championship. I don't agree with that. They definitely won't have the best ground in the championship. It's an absolute disgrace. But, um, yeah. Uh, oh, no, we used to probably refer into the new one getting built. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, if family more case, talk. If that's the case, then fair enough. That mm-hmm. is... Um, definitely uh, okay there's many more um, are we going to miss out on Diabe? Arsenal have been linked with him today heavily um, do you think we're going to miss out on him or do you think he'll still be available in the summer guys what do you think um, 
No, I think he scored uh, for clubs. Yeah, I know Arsenal are looking at all the alternatives now. Um, if, when they didn't get uh, Mudrik, so they could look look to him. Um, I'd say I could see him still being there in the summer. Ooh. Okay, interesting, very interesting. Um, okay, uh, it was a question for us to um, myself and Daz before Chris joined, but it can be for all of us, of course. Um, if you could see any Premier League player miss, um, Ooh, miss question. versus Newcastle um, this season, who would you choose? Maybe think about a, a team that we're um, going to play in the future. Great question, Life Goals. Mm. Uh. Okay, I've got one. Haaland. <clears throat> Haaland. Holland, okay. Yeah, we, we play them. Is it the end of February, beginning of March? I think we played okay. Man City away. Um, March, so, yeah. yeah. March. So, Chris, uh, Dad said Haaland. Chris, what, what did you say? Uh, I would also go for City and I would say Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, what about you, Pete? What would you say? Um, James Madison? He'll be missing anyway by the sides of it. <laughs> um, uh, I I would say uh, Salah against uh, against Liverpool at St James's. I think if, without Salah and and Van Dijk, I think we comfortably beat Liverpool. That's just my opinion. He's, he's been missing all season. Yeah, though, yeah. yeah, you're right. But I think I think I think we could win without without him. Yeah. Being missing, but I think with him missing and Van Dyke missing, it's two of their key players. I think that solidifies our, our chances of winning the game. Um, and for me, I think that's a bigger game than going to Man City at the Etihad, in my opinion, because I think we owe Liverpool one big time after what they did to us at Anfield in the last minute. And I'd love there'd be no better feeling for me than turning them over. Not just winning one nil, but winning two, three nil, winning comfortably. Like a Brighton. Like, like Brighton. a Brighton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. Brighton did uh, at the weekend. Yeah. There'd be no there'd be no better feeling for any Newcastle fan to doing that to Liverpool. So for me, Mohamed Salah, loving to be missing. <laughs> and equally throwing there Alisson. Alisson. Another one there, Pete. Go for it. Go for it, Dad. Yeah. I was going to say McAllister for, for Brighton as well would be yeah. uh, one good one to miss. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Not McAllister. Matomo. Matomo. Yeah, Matoma. he looks, he looks uh, yeah. I tell you what. Yeah, he, yeah he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. He looks a proper player. Um, He looks a really, really good talent. Um, He absolutely destroyed Trent Alexander-Arnold. At the weekend, I was watching the game. Honestly, the amount of times he rinsed him, it was crazy. Um, Pete, did you see the? Um, there was a thing going around Twitter. Did you see? Did you see the video of when Welbeck scored the third goal, and Trent was, was just scored, just like was looking... he walks away. Yeah, he walks yeah. away. So, so when Welbeck Welbeck nicks the ball over the defender, they were literally there's Welbeck and there's two other Brighton yeah, players just waiting, just waiting the ball in. That is an absolute disgrace. He literally, he sees the player and just thinks, fuck it. Nah. Nah. I don't want that. 
Like it, it's it's bad. Like, and if any Liverpool player, any Liverpool fan, sorry, comes out and tries to defend that, like if that was Trippier, I don't think any of us on the panel would be defending that. No, no. none of us loaded no. boys would be defending that, and people in no. the chat wouldn't defend that type of defensive behaviour. So the fact that he's done that, and uh, I'll be honest with you, the videos that I've seen put out of that of of that clip, the amount of Liverpool fans that are trying to defend him off the back of that just tells you everything you need to know like you can't defend that type of behavior you're 2-0 down you're chasing the game fair enough but to neglect your defensive responsibilities just says everything about why people have put question marks about Trent Alexander-Arnold because he's not defensively minded and if you're not both there's a massive question mark and that's why Trippier has been the best right back in the Premier League this season by far Yep. Because he can do both. He's mm. good at both. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm really glad you mentioned that, actually. Um, it's, a, it's a great point. Um, it, it, this question was aimed at Ben, but we'll put it out to us. Uh, any chance of us signing Tillemans or Madison this window? Let's focus on Tillemans. I don't think... I think with Madison still being injured, I don't think it's possible. That's my opinion. I don't think it's likely to happen or even close to being happening because he's not even proved his fitness yet, let alone being in a position to be sold. So, Tillemans, do you think at this moment in time, we're looking at 17th of January, do you think it's it's possible that we could pry Tillemans away from Newcastle, regards, regardless of what Ben Jacobs has said tonight? Go on, Dad, you the first, mate. I think that... It's, yeah, because it'll take so long to reach uh, my answer. Yeah, I think it's possible, uh, but I I, uh, I do waver between yes and no a lot of the time because uh, someone else might swoop in. Uh, I think we, we need we need someone now, so I think we go all, all our guns blazing to try and get him. And yeah, pay, pay a bit of money to secure him. Uh, it's possible. So, But um, yeah, maybe. I Chris? think it's I think it's possible we sign him, but I don't think we will. I think it would have been wrapped up before now. Unless, of course, like you said, Pete, that you know, the waiting for, you know, a few injuries to kind of return. Could be that. Um and I also think the problem is the six months or less left on his deal. I think he'll be looking at the pound signs and thinking, you know, I can get a really big hefty signing on three if I move in the summer. Uh, on a free, and I think his wages could also be a problem because I imagine he's on pretty good wages at Leicester, and I think his next move he'll want much higher wages, and I don't think that we'll offer that. I think we'll offer him competitive wages, um, whereas he could go to, I don't know, like an Arsenal or a Chelsea or someone like that, and they'll go, oh yeah, we'll give you 300 grand a week, no problem. But we're just not going to do that. Um, I... I think more so now than maybe two months ago, I think Tillemans is seriously considering leaving Leicester in January. I'm not saying he's going to come to Newcastle, but from my, in my opinion, I think he's looking at, he was adamant in going to Arsenal, which is what Ben said tonight. But I think Arsenal being in the position they are may well look at if they win the league or get Champions League, look at other alternatives um, a higher calibre of player, maybe, to come in. Um, and I think, in my opinion, thank you, Roy. Top Cheers, man. Roy. Thank Brilliant. you, mate. 
I think Just right. he, he might be questioning whether Arsenal are genuinely interested in him. And I think he might be considering that. Whether he comes to Newcastle or not is another thing. He might well go to somewhere in Europe, but I think he wants to stay in the Premier League. Um, and he'll be looking at, will he start for the team that he plays for? In Arsenal's team, will he be guaranteed a start? Maybe not straight away, especially if they build another uh, build another uh, a mid- midfield. They buy one or two other players. I don't know. I, I'm 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 just throwing that out there. Not saying it's going to come to Newcastle. I don't know, um, but I think he'll be seriously considering it more so than what we thought about two or three months ago. Yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely one to watch, in my opinion. I've got four questions. Really, some of them are really, really quick um, mm-hmm. ones in general. Uh, Life Goal said, great question for all of us, not just me and Daz. It was put out earlier in the chat. Who is your sporting hero outside of football? For me, it's Muhammad Ali, Joe Root, George Foreman, uh, Linford Christie, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan and Roger Federer. Um, boys, who, who is your sporting heroes outside of football? I'll nip in on this one because um, when I saw the question, I had two names in mind and they're the same names that Life Goals has put. So, like, I've always thought, like, I've always loved Roger Federer. Um, love watching him at Wimbledon. Thought he was just a good... And you know what? Just an, a really nice guy as well, but very humble, but incredibly talented. Like, you know, I always wanted him to win Wimbledon every time I watched the tennis. Um, but my overall favourite one is Ronnie O'Sullivan because I've never seen somebody so naturally gifted as in he plays with his left hand, he plays with his right hand and anyone who hasn't watched snooker, like if you see how quickly he just lines his shots up, it's like it's like he's like an alien. It's it's unbelievable. Um, so so naturally gifted and obviously, you know, he goes to the same gym as me as well, apparently. So I'm um, I'm all in for Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah, apparently Ronnie O'Sullivan comes to Liverpool quite a lot. So, wow. yeah, but yeah, d- and yeah, um, quite a character. But yeah, those two would be mine: Ronnie O'Sullivan and Roger Federer. Fair play, Daz. Who's your hero? Sporting hero? Yeah, I, I don't know where, where to start. I really there. Um, I'd have to think, sit down and think about it. A lot of them might be Irish, like that you guys wouldn't know. Um, I suppose then you'll have like you'll have um, Gaelic football, hurling as well. Um, which I, I'll have to think about and come back because uh, uh, I don't want to say someone. Yeah, and for me though, football is is my 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 main passion. So uh, it's it's uh, they're all they're all. Soccer players who played for 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 mainly for Newcastle or even in the Premier League, it's players I admire. But the question is outside of footy, so I'd have to think of that. What about you, Pete? Yeah, um, I'm just looking at the the sports that are on that on that screen right now. Um, for me, um, from a tennis perspective, uh, Pete Sampras. Um, he's the reason why I started watching tennis. He's the reason why I played tennis um, for many a year. Um, loved Pete Sampras in, in his Sampras slam. If anyone knows Pete Sampras, you'll know just as he's about to win a major tournament, he'd always pull out the Sampras slam. Um, and I absolutely love watching him uh, pr- produce that. Um, brilliant, brilliant tennis player. Um, for me uh, as well, um, Usain Bolt. From a sprinting point of view, um, absolutely brilliant uh, athlete, uh, one of the best ever 
Um, yeah, for, for me, uh, Usain Bolt is an absolute, absolute legend. Um, if you look at it, cricket, it's out there. Freddie Flintoff, he was the reason why I started watching cricket. I think it was 2005, 2006, when we, when we finally regained the ashes. Uh, Freddie Flintoff was a big reason why I started watching cricket. I'd never watched it before. And when he stopped playing cricket, I, I haven't watched it since. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to throw him in there. So those three for me, 100%, um, I, I'd, I'd say they were the reasons. And maybe uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, for boxing. Unbelievable boxer. Technically gifted, so intelligent. Um, so yeah, they'd be they'd be my sporting heroes from that perspective. Um, next one, uh, very quickly. Would you take Danny Ings on the cheap? I wouldn't personally. No. What age is he now? I have to check it out. I think he's 30, 30 31. We see. He is. He is thirty. No, not for me. <laughs> Comments. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks, Carlos. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Some funny comments. Oh, boys on. Jimmy's been levering me again. Oh, oh yeah, boys, um, boys out. Boys out. What was the question? Um, oh, Danny Ings. <laughs> um, nah, I think that I think that boat sailed now, wasn't it? Um, yeah, no. No, not for um, me. Some reports saying Harry Kane might be leaving Spurs in the summer. If they don't get Champions League, he will be leaving, guaranteed. Would you take Harry Kane at Newcastle United? Bearing in mind, we've already got Callum Wilson and Alexander Isak. Would you take Harry Kane? I think he'll be 29, nearly 30 at that point. Would you take Harry Kane? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. And it don't, don't think I'm saying we're better than Harry Kane. So any other fans of any other clubs who say, "Oh, Newcastle have had to say they don't want Harry Kane," it's not that. It's just I, I just, especially during the World Cup, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like he's lost a yard of pace, and I think yes, he's yes. in you know his peak years. I understand that, and he drops deep, and I, I don't know whether he's dropping deep because. He's trying to hide the fact that he hasn't got that turn of pace or that, you know, that quickness over one or two yards to kind of because like one, I'd say what one, two, maybe three years ago, you'd see Harry Kane. He'd always been around the box and you know, we, you know, getting him for headers and nicking the ball in, and you just don't see that from him anymore now. It just seems like he's slowed down a bit. And I'll be honest, you know, to kind of back up my uh, theory, you know, when we talk about players who are like up here. Harry Kane's gonna want three, four hundred grand a week. Um, yes, it would be romantic in terms of if he broke the Premier League all-time record and he did it at Newcastle. Yeah, you know, to, to kind of take over Alan Shearer. But I, 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 I think it would hold back the likes of Isaac and hold back the likes of Wilson um, because you'd have to start Harry Kane if you signed him. So. For for me uh, and Harry Kane, I, I I put this out before. I said no. Nope. 
don't want Harry Kane uh, at Newcastle. He's, he's going to be too too old. Um, I, I, he's going to want want too much. Uh, even if we got into the Champions League, I, I don't want him. I want young, hungry players. Uh, he's a good player, uh, but no, not for us. Not on the project we're on. Uh, not not the right kind of player. And I, I think at the time I put him into the bracket of. Uh, maybe unfairly put him into the bracket of when with the takeover was now well was talked about the first time and we were linked to Bale, Ronaldo, those kind of players, and Messi. Uh, I said, no, I don't want to go down that route. I want, I want uh, hungry, hungry players. I'd sign him, I'd take Harry Kane 100%. Um, Jordan Wilson makes a great point, Pete. That's a that's a great comment, to be fair. Um, would he start Kane over Wilson? He'd, he'd 100% start Kane over Wilson. I would take Harry Kane. Or Harry Kane at 29 years old. Um, it's a great point that, that Daz made about being hungry. I think Harry Kane moving to whoever he moves to next will be as hungry as anybody in world football because he <laughs> wants trophies more than anybody. Like, Harry Kane wants trophies. He's not going to move to a club that isn't wanting to win major trophies. So if you move to Newcastle, he'd be so hungry to win something in his career. Yeah, yeah that's true. He doesn't that's want true. to finish his career. He wants to finish his career as, as a Premier League top goal scorer, which is fine. But he wants to win trophies more than anything. And that'll be a big push. I would sign Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane would go for about 80, 85 million. He's got a year left on his contract. He's clearly not going to sign a new deal. If you were to sign Harry Kane, that would be a massive, massive deal. Would you have to sell Wilson to fund that? Probably, um, being honest. Um, but being younger than Wilson, uh, being uh, a higher goal scorer than Wilson, you'd probably take that. And I think most Newcastle fans uh, would. So I would take Harry Kane personally. That's just my opinion. Um, but it's a really, really good question. Um, I think Tottenham won't get top four, and I think Harry Kane will leave. Where he goes, I have no idea. Um, but I think he he will go. Um, cheeky bid for Declan Rice. Forget the other part of the question. Cheeky bid for Declan Rice. If you mention Rice, Chris will get hungry again. They're in the bottom three. Like yeah. I said, would, would, would you take Declan Rice? How much would you realistically, boys? I want to ask you this: How much you realistically would pay for Declan Rice right now? Um. Well, there was talk. There was talk, wasn't there? In in his in his pomp, you know, like when he was flying, there was talk of like a hundred million being like the marker. Um. Mm. Now. Are you saying right this moment, January, or are you saying if West Ham go down? Yeah, right now, how much would you pay for him? Equally, what would you probably pay for him if they do go down? Because let's face it, they're in a mess right now and they could yeah, quite yeah. easily, regardless, go down. I don't know if you watched the, listen to the Footballers Football podcast. Brilliant listen. They've just relaunched um, Wilson and, and Antonio, um, have relaunched and Antonio. You know, talked about West Ham quite openly and honestly. Fair play to him. He's talked about potentially leaving the club. He's talked about West Ham and where they are right now. Um, and they are back where they were before, where they were fighting relegation after a couple of years of being at the top. And he openly talks about it. He's really, really <laughs> honest. It's a great listen. So if you haven't listened to it, um, give it a listen. But would you, how much would you spend now in January to try and prize him away? 
but mm. how much would you spend in the summer if they did get relegated? After we've after we've answered this question, could we touch dead quick on Mikel Antonio? Because that's a that's a really interesting point you've just said there, Pete, and I've yeah, heard rumors in the last few days. But yeah, to answer your question very quickly, I uh, I'd probably say anywhere between seventy and eighty million. I don't think he's up to a hundred. I'd pay 70, 80 now. And if West Ham get relegated, I think you're probably looking between 50, 60, I think. Yeah. Hmm. For, for me, um, imagine the fume. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would be real. Um, but uh, it is not. Trust me. <laughs> he is being hammered from pillar to post. Honestly, on the 12 man chat, I've got to say it. Like, to be fair, Dan Lawless takes it like an absolute champ and he gives it back as well. Like he, like Arsenal, Tottenham at the weekend with Tottenham losing, he has given Tobes so much crap. And how <laughs> somebody that could be sitting in the bottom three gives somebody that's fifth in the league so much crap is unbelievable. But Dan Lawless is an absolute genius for how he deals with 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 the the, the West Ham situation. Yeah, the, the Tottenham fifth. Look at where West Ham are. And he is a West Ham fan is giving Tobes absolute crap. And, and, and to add to that, he is giving Dan Potts crap for the fact that they missed out on Mudrin. They're sitting top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> him crap for sitting top of the league and missing out on Mudrin. I don't get it. Dan Lawless no, is an champion of a football fan, but he makes it work and he's such a great guy. Looking forward to him coming on to away days in, um, in the weeks to come. But yeah. And um, that's why I have the picture ready up. as well. Uh, I don't, yeah. I, we don't always have, have the picture on standby. But uh, no, I, I don't think, I think if Declan Royce uh, moves and if, if they were to really get relegated, I don't think he moves moves to us. I think I think he would move to someone someone like Arsenal. I would. <laughs> that would be, that'd be yeah, interesting as well. But um, uh, I'd, say, I'd say he'd stick with the London club, to tell you the truth. Mm. Uh, great point. Great point. Um, there was a couple. Oh of... yeah, Pete. Sorry. So yeah, I wanted to ask, why is why is Mikel Antonio like available for like five million pounds? Like, why 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 is that? Where, where... I know they bought in Skamaka, <clears throat> but why why all of a sudden when what eighteen months ago, like Antonio was like ripping it up? Why why has yeah. he fell out of favour so badly? Like, of his legs gone or something or what? They they didn't touch on it. They they he, they didn't touch on the technicalities. And to be fair, Callum Wilson was kind of like pressing for an answer on the yeah. podcast. Like, uh, and I don't think it was planned because I, I think Antonio was a little bit flustered when he was asked the question. Um, but it seems to be that uh, without him confirming it, it seems to be that obviously he's. He, I think he's thirty one. He's not. I, I just checked that he's he's thirty two. He's thirty three in March. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it, it, the age is a factor, and I think he's one of the highest paid players at the club. Ah, well, and that he, makes sense. And I think those two factors, and Daz, I'm glad you said that because I thought he was like thirty one. The fact that he's mm. nearly thirty three actually emphasizes the point even more in that his age, the fact that he's on big wages, and the fact that. When he's played this season, he just hasn't scored goals. He hasn't even looked like scoring goals. He doesn't look like the same player he was two years ago. And like, uh, like Callum Wilson's kind of 
alluding to that fact, but but like <laughs> making it a little bit of banter about it. But actually, mm. there's a lot of realism to it. And I think, you know, uh, Mikel Antonio, when he's asked the question, would he leave? He was very, very on the fence with it. And I think there's, from from his response, he's basically waiting for his agent to, to give him offers for other clubs. I think he's been told he can leave. That's that's what I read from. That's what I kind of got from listening to the to the podcast. He's been told he can leave, and it wouldn't surprise me. Put it out there, wouldn't surprise me if it ends up at his old club, Nottingham Forest. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up back there. Mm. He talks about them so positively, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up back at the club by the end of January. And I hope that doesn't affect uh, Woods transfer to Mount Forest. That's all oh, I say. Well, if it means he goes to West Ham. I'm all for it. <laughs> Take him. Take him. <laughs> 15 million, though. 20, 20 if you're yeah. feeling desperate. Yeah. If you're feeling desperate. yeah. We, we said the same, didn't we, boys, about, about Chris Wood today. Like, I don't actively think Eddie Howe or the owners are looking to move him on this window. But if somebody comes in with, like, 15 million plus... I, I, I mean, I'm probably being over the top saying plus. But, you know, if someone came in with £15 million or even 10 with add-ons up to 15 I think you'd have to take it. I do. Yeah. I really, really do. Definitely. Boys, and he's only on a two-and-a-half-year contract. Yeah. So, yeah. short-term contract. Potential <laughs> of a deal being done. Um Look, boys, I, we could we could go on all day with these questions. There's some fantastic questions in there, but I don't know if you guys want to um, sort of wrap up for for the show tonight um, and go to sponsors and yeah, um, I, know what's I, going on. I think we probably should, Pete. Um, yeah, may I'll I'll uh, talk talk us through it. Yeah, so just shout out to, oh, to Russ. And the RadioShed.com. Uh, we put Chris in jail. Uh, yeah, so go, uh, go, go to uh, TheRadioShed.com, who are actually updating their website at the moment, and they are all, uh, working on the showroom, and we should have pictures of that showroom coming pretty soon. So uh, Russ is going to send us those details. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, and your um, uh, heating radiator needs, uh, contact Russ at TheRadioShed.com. And also, if you need to get them installed, uh, then Starworks, which is linked as uh, Russ's other company, so uh, check that out. If uh, or if you know someone that, that needs, uh, um, is building a house or renovating a house, uh, check it out. Uh, so for the details that uh, of that, when we get them, um, that is it for the sponsors. Oh, coming up, upcoming shows. Um, we should be back tomorrow with a. Are we still doing that? <laughs> a fully loaded transfer show tomorrow. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter whether we've got a guest or not. We would always produce a fully loaded transfer show in the, in the in the month of January. So we will be back. Details will come out tomorrow at some point. So keep an eye on Twitter, Instagram, where we post our um, shows out. Uh, we will be back, no doubt, to talk all things transfers, of course, as always. As always, and we'll delve into the the, the links that are because we t- we touched on a few of them, but we'll we'll delve deeper into it. So. Uh... There's yeah. more, yeah. There's always oh, more. There's more. And there'll be more tomorrow again. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, away days is back, and uh, D from from uh, Palace from the the back of the nest. Um, yeah, you know what, D in the last couple of shows, Chris, you will know he sent a couple of his representatives, um, a couple of them from America. 
that have come on to the show for, for the Palace shows for away days and they're represented. But D wants to come back to have his say for away days. So he'll be back on Thursday. He wants to talk all things Palace in Newcastle. Don't expect all roses and everything being nice. D is controversial. He would tell you <laughs> he wants Palace to win. He doesn't rate Newcastle. Blah, blah, blah. Don't be expecting all good things nice and rosy like we had Emilio and various other fans from other, other channels, from other clubs. Uh, D will tell it exactly how it is. Um, and I wouldn't want it any other way. So, um, great to have D back on on Thursday. Um, we're talking all things Crystal Palace and Newcastle. And, of course, they play, they play Man United at home tomorrow night. So, on Thursday... We'll have a real proper update with regards to where they're actually as a club and what they're what they're expecting. So, be interesting to see what they come out with. Cool. Uh, so that is Thursday. So we, we that show is Wednesday, a half seven on Wednesday. Uh, that's tomorrow, and then uh, Thursday, half seven as well for away days. Then uh, probably half eight on Saturday. After for we'll, we'll go for a reaction show after the game. Um, the game is as is live on Sky on Saturday evening, so we'll go as soon as possible. Uh, we're on a half eight. We'll have a reaction show. We'll be posted on Twitter as well. Uh, so we're back for that. Uh, and also, if anything happens in between, and there's a signing, we will we'll, we'll, we will get out with the show uh, as soon as possible. So, so keep keep tuned. Watch keep keep an eye us on Twitter and on Instagram, and make sure you're subscribed and you're liking our shows, and you'll get everything. Uh, you won't miss a thing. That's it. What a, we, we, we promised a mixed bag at the start of this show, uh, Pete, before as Chris was eating his dinner. Uh, we certainly delivered on that, I think, tonight <laughs> for once. We, we had Dom joining us uh, at the FA Youth Cup. Jordan joining us. We had great guest in uh, Jacob. We had um, uh, Chris dipping in and out, munching his food. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think our internet was okay, Daz, tonight. I think, yeah, well, mine dipped at the end, yeah, the delay, but... Uh, in and out, so... Pretty yeah, okay, though. A very mixed bag, but i tell you what, what was consistent, and we've said it time and time again, everyone in the chat, superb question. We've still got 25 we've not even got to tonight. Unbelievable. Um, so keep up your fantastic work in the chat. Come and join us tomorrow for the full loads of transfer show, and again, for a way it is on Thursday. Look, we're loaded. We just keep rolling on with the good stuff and we will continue continue to do so. This is what we do. Pete or uh, Chris, say it. See us out. How'd you like that?